I wanted to quiz you on like uh, MasterChef okay. things, but <laughs> I don't. I, I was like, I don't even know what to ask. Okay, I mean, spitball. <laughs> <laughs> Runner up season three. Oh, he died. Josh Marks. <laughs> you choose the one runner up who died. This is why I, I knew I knew I shouldn't have I knew I shouldn't have played this game. Hey everyone, I'm Derek Fox and you're watching a bunch of losers. Fred is my guest today for MasterChef season 10. We talk about all things MasterChef, test his MC knowledge and his palate, and being back to win on MasterChef Season 12. We also discuss working at Milk Bar, his family leaving Taiwan, and starting over in America, and so much more. I even get emotional in this one, so yes, there are some tears. Let's go, loser. For everyone that's just tuning in, uh, Fred's doing some stuff with Facebook. Freaking dope. (laughs) How did they reach out to you? So I was a part of like a group called Subtle Asian Baking, and for AAPI Awareness Month, they needed a bunch of people from Subtle Asian Traits, Subtle Asian Cooking, and Subtle Asian Baking to just do content for the month of AAPI Awareness Month, which is May. Oh. So they reached out to Subtle Asian Baking first. Subtle Asian Baking reached out to me, and then I got looped into it, and I was like, sure. <laughs> I know that Sue from Season 11 is actually a part of it, too. Oh, but cool. Yeah, like she's representing for Subtle Asian Cooking. Amazing. I want to get Sue on here. We've, we've talked. We're just trying to yes. line up the day. Uh, pull the microphone a little bit closer to you. Okay. you can just, yeah, perfect. Perfect. Um, what is Subtle Asian Baking? Subtle Asian Baking is like a Facebook group just for um, Asian American, well, Asian bakers around the world. And they okay. just post like Asian related baking, like recipes and stuff like that. So I've been a part of that group since 2020 during the pandemic. Yeah. And yeah, I, like I've just been like helping out with them whenever they need me for like specific events or like fundraiser and stuff like that. So what's so subtle about it? <laughs> just subtle Asian people. <laughs> Asian culture subtle. <laughs> it's just because you guys are so humble. You're like, we're just going to make this very subtle. I mean, subtle Asian is apparently a thing. I don't know. I feel like I'm less subtle than most Asians, but <laughs> that's just my opinion. Uh, I love it. I'm going to check it out. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll learn some shit. You know, I mean, they have some really like talented and creative bakers on there. Like we have a lot of really interesting recipes every single time. Lots of different like Asian flavors and ingredients. Like I learn a lot from them. Speaking of baking. Yes. <laughs> Brian, come on. I had this planned out. Okay, sorry. The producers are like, oh, cookie needs to be on the table. <laughs> I had this planned out. Speaking of baking, I started a cookie company. I heard. I heard. And I saw. So I brought this for you, but you have to win it. Okay. <laughs> Since the podcast is called A Bunch of Losers with Derek Fox. Um, we're going to play a game in a little bit mm-hmm. and you have to win it. Okay. <laughs> but I'll probably give it to you anyway. Thank of you. course I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to set this up here. Nice, nice, nice. This is your <laughs> epic mega cookie. Uh, we'll talk about that. Okay. Cat's out of the bag. We are back to win. Uh, yeah. Um, when did they contact you? I got reached out to, I think, the Monday after 4th of July. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like they okay. sent me an email first and then I knew the casting guy already because fun fact, I actually auditioned for seasons eight, nine, and then got on 10. Wow, so, really? Yeah, I don't know how many, like I don't think a lot of people actually know that. Like I auditioned for three straight tre- seasons in a row. But yeah, like I knew the guy's name is Pedro. So he reached out to me. I was like, oh, I know this guy. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, we're going to go. Okay, let's go. Let's go back to season eight. Yes, let's go back to season eight. Okay. Oh um, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I was like the crazy ex who just never would leave you alone. Um, yeah, so 
I was a student in Boston, like in college, when season eight was doing casting, and it was the first time they ever did casting in Boston. So I was like, "This is a sign." Hi, Maybe everyone. Should- Fred talks a million miles an hour. You haven't met him yet. Uh, <laughs> hold on. What? Okay, you're in, you're a student in Boston. Yes. First, you- like right after season seven aired, season eight was casting. Okay, what school were you going to? Uh, Boston University. <laughs> Jesus, we got a. We got a smart one here, people. I don't know about that. I only, <laughs> my major was nonsense. It was hospitality. I don't think that, yeah, it was. But uh, anyways. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Autumn's from Boston. Oh, yeah, she is. Anyway, have you, got, <laughs> have you guys talked at all? Mm-mm. She's yeah. hilarious. Oh, my God, I I've, had her on. Oh, nice. I've, I've heard, like, mostly positive things. Like, she's chill. She's a bit t- very down to earth. Um, she's so cool. Yeah. She's a homie now. I want to <laughs> hang out with her all the time. I wish, I wish, I, I. Because she's making a million freaking dollars on OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a million dollars so I could go hang out with her. Oh, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> season seven ended. You're in Boston. Season eight, you're like, audi- were auditions in Boston? Yeah, like they were doing like open casting in Boston. So then... How'd you find out about the casting? Uh, Well, I mean, I was a fan of MasterChef since like season two. So like I had been watching. I never really thought about applying. Fred, and- you're more than a fan. You know everything. <laughs> Super about- fan, yeah. You're, you're the... You're the- the president of the super fan fan oh, god i need to like replace all that gray matter with other things now that i'm done with this. i know you know some shit i could be like who cut their finger on episode six of season five <laughs> it might be a little specific but you have that kind of knowledge okay i'm sorry i'll stop interrupting no you. worries okay. um so how did you find out about the casting so it was, i think it was like facebook and then a lot of my friends knew i like to cook and bake so they're like you should try out and i was like Sure. I mean, it's local to me for once. So I tried out. Um, just practical. Yeah. I mean, I was just subtly like, available. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> like, it was actually just like a two minute walk away from me. So I was like, why not? So yeah, I tried out for that one. Um, ironically, and this actually. What did you cook to try out with? I did a ginger blueberry mousse with black sesame shortbread crumble, puff black rice, a honey tangerine curd, and microgreens. <laughs> I'm just deadpanning at the camera right now because you're insane. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, it kind of looked weird when I like think back to how I you probably could have held the microgreens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, like my, I, I feel like there's a time and place for microgreens on a dessert, right? Do you, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, yeah. in this case, I specifically went with like micro mint, just because like I felt like that you would pair it. well with the yeah. ginger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're. You're a genius when it comes to food. You're one of those like savants. I don't know about, I don't know about that. I don't think I've so. Watched you work, dude. <laughs> I know you watched me work. You've seen yeah. some of my not so good moments. No, too. I watched you like destroy us, and no one even knew how bad you were destroying us. I don't know about that. Okay, but, so when you when you presented this dessert season eight, yeah, how did they respond? Um, they liked the dessert, but then I don't. I don't, know. I don't with that with those flavor combinations season. I don't know how you weren't on the show. Well, there's a lot of different factors for sure that I like realized really quickly on. Okay, like what? So they wanted me to play like a very certain cast type for that season because they're like college student from Boston who's from like a not like from a private school. So he's probably from like privilege. So they wanted me to play like that role of like the privileged college student. And they also wanted me to be bitchy, which I kind of didn't really want to do. So I like <laughs> they literally told me, "Be bitchy. We want to see clips of you like being the villain." And I was like, "I'm not stupid." Really? <laughs> yeah. They were like, "We want to see clips of you complaining. We want to see clips of you like talking shit about your classmates." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. They they straight up told me this. Oh my god. So I sent them clips of me baking cupcakes and hanging out <laughs> with my friends. 
and like running and I think I was like a video clip of me petting a dog so obviously they didn't cast me because I straight up refused and I know that they were going to do this to me because they had a guy on that season who was a Harvard student who they made look like a complete asshole so and he was my age and everything so I was like okay dodged the bullet there dodged a bullet so that didn't deter you though when you auditioned for season nine yeah so what happened was um season nine I graduated college I was starting a new job in LA I kind of hated the job I was in and where were you working uh a hotel in Inglewood. That's all I'll say. I don't want to say specifics. A hotel in Inglewood. Holiday Inn. Okay, nicer than that. <laughs> Way nicer than that. <laughs> but um, it was in the hood, yes. But uh, yeah, so I just wasn't really happy with it. So, and, you know, all, they always cast in LA anyways. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm in LA now, so might as well tr- give it a shot. Oh, fun fact. We're season eight. The guy standing right next to me, Daniel, he ended up getting on the show and getting an apron and everything. And I went to the casting at LA for season eight. Oh, I was no, that's for season eight. Season, season eight was in nine. Boston. Season oh. nine. I think I when I was there, it was um Brian O'Brien. He was our guest speaker. Oh, I probably came earlier. Or maybe actually, you know what? That was the one season I missed. Okay. Brian O'Brien. Yeah, Brian O'Brien was the guest speaker when I was there, which again, full circle because back to win. Yeah. But oh yeah, so but season eight, the guy next to me, Daniel, he got on the show. He was actually on our cast back to win as well. So that was like kind of trippy when I met him again. I was like, wait. Oh, yeah, Daniel. From season eight, the puppy Afro guy. <laughs> oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was right next to me. And then I think we touched base like a little over a year ago about that or two years ago. Because I was like, hey, do you remember the guy next to you who made the blueberry moose? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> wait, he, in season nine, you made the same thing? Again? Oh, no, for season eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Season nine, though. So I auditioned again. Um... I was just like, you know what? I'm just not going to be like, I'm not going to give him the chance to make me bitchy. That's what yeah. I'm going to do. I'm yeah. just going to be very pleasant. And that cupcake dog petting energy, I'm just going to come with only that. And, you know, not talk about being from a, a privileged college or whatever. So I like purposely tried to dial those aspects of myself back. And um, what was it? I think it was because. What, cast- what, you, what did you audition with? Oh, God, this one was. <laughs> this was so extra. <laughs> I did not need to do what I did. Um. Ready? Here comes... It's an the, essay. A, an essay, <laughs> oh, Like exactly. a 12-component fucking dessert. I don't know what I was thinking. Okay, so, um, fennel pollen mousse with a butterfly pea glaze, fennel chips, fennel fronds, clumpy fennel, blood orange curd, coconut snow, coconut yogurt mousse spear, blood orange vahil, blood orange yogurt in the middle of this mousse spear. And I made it inspired by... My Californian half and my Boston half coming together. I think I called it the tale of two princesses because Prince is because I had just come out of the closet like a year ago and I was like, let's embrace being gay. Wow. It was, it was a really intense dessert. It sounded like a lot, but ultimately boils down to coconut, fennel and blood orange. So yeah. when those three flavors are together, it actually does work. It's not like a lot of extraness. It's just, yeah, it's well, those three flavors. <laughs> I love that. I think honestly, and like. Like I, I just I did a cookie for spring. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fruity pebbles, marshmallow, and lemongrass. Mm-hmm. I was kind of getting my Wiley Dufresne on. A I little love bit. it. And everyone was like lemongrass, and some people got it. Mm-hmm. And like I truly believe, like on the back of the fruity pebbles box when it says natural flavors, that they're actually using lemongrass because I taste lemongrass when I eat fruity pebbles. And I yeah. love fruity pebbles. But I was like, I'm gonna enhance that. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a lot of lemongrass mm-hmm. in this. I think that's the thing with all flavors. There yeah. is a balance. And if you achieve that balance, that's part of being the creator, the artist of being a chef. If you're gonna manage that balance, you can make anything really work. Mm-hmm. 
there's some things that don't, but like for the most part. So like, yeah, fennel, blood orange, like what else did you have? Coconut. Coconut. Yeah, that can go together. Wild. So you're like, okay, I'm out of the closet and I'm giving all of it into this dessert. <laughs> Literally all of it. <laughs> I spent two freaking days dehydrating fennel to make chips out of it. Right. So they're looking at that. So you. So if you're doing a technique like that that takes two days, you know you can't do that on the show. Yeah, but so I mean, it was more just because just uh, a flex, just the flex, and just to show like I'm really pushing hardcore for this. Fun fact about season nine, the guy standing next to me, Ralph, got on that season. Yeah, this happened to me twice. I was actually pretty pissed off about it. Well, Ralph and I are friends, Daniel and I are friends. I'm not mad about them getting on. I'm just mad that it happened to me twice. Twice. Yeah, if you ask Ralph about it, they're like, Ralph still remembers the dessert I made because he was like, what the fuck, bro? I would be intimidated as fuck. <laughs> he was like, how did you not get casted? I was like, oh, yeah. And the reason why I think I didn't get casted for season nine, though, was because um, it was the same producers as season eight. And they probably, like, if they were to somehow remember me, they'd probably be like, oh, he's that kid who, like, purposely didn't do what we told him to do. He's not right. a puppet that we can, right. m like, you know, manipulate. Yeah. So I think they, pretty like, shut me down pretty hard pretty quickly. Like, I did get to talk to the producers again, because I'm sure it was, like, the same with you, where you make a dish in three, eight minutes, and then you talk to the producers, and if they like you, you go on. I Season eight, I did the go on part. Season nine, they cut me then and there, and I was like, wow, okay. Wow. So they liked the dish, but the producers, like, just didn't want to talk to me. My audition process was so different. Really? Yeah. So I was for season six. Mm -hmm. I had watched seasons one through five. Mm -hmm. Huge fan. Um, I, I mean, I loved season one and when Whitney won. That I mean, that wow, was Whitney. That that one was like, that was really truly, I think, the best season. I mean, it's the OGs. Yeah, but even because it was. Everything just felt so organic. Like mm -hmm. they weren't trying to make, and not that MasterChef's trying to make TV, but it's like the challenges weren't like, oh, we're going, we're we're cooking for a hundred Navy soldiers today, and they're coming off this boat, and Gordon oh, yeah. Ramsay's jumping out of a helicopter. Exactly. Like it wasn't yeah. that. You know, it was like we need the best apple pie, mm -hmm. and Whitney delivered. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so. Obviously, the the evolution of the shows that's that happens. We want to see Gordon jump out of the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but we do. Um, but my audition, I had just gotten let go from a job, mm -hmm. and but I was also playing drums full time. I was on I was on salary with a pop group, which was nice. like it was like everything I lived for. It was like I worked so hard to be a drummer in LA and to be on a salary. Like there's not a lot of drummers in the world that are on salary. And mm -hmm. then to be like making it in LA and the group I was with, they weren't getting along. Oh, and that's the hard part about being a drummer is like, I'm, I'm always the supporting member. Yeah. You know, You're the backbone. Mean, yeah, I'm the backbone. I'm the heartbeat. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not the face of the band. I mean, Travis Barker is an anomaly, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Dave Grohl, even as we know him from Nirvana, but he's more known as the singer of the Foo Fighters, you know. Yeah. So it's, like, really hard for a drummer. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I need to make some cash. I'm going to apply to Chopped. <laughs> I love it so naive like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i cook at home i'm gonna try and get on chopped but i've also watched every episode of chopped 
Like I literally put myself through cooking school watching, just dissecting these cooking shows and yeah. listening to the judges. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, like the, the stuff that the judges are saying is real. Exactly. You know, like they're telling you what to do with the food. Do that. Great. Okay. I can figure that out. And I was like, I'm going to go win 10 grand unchopped. I'm going to go like propose to my girlfriend. Like, mm-hmm. my, you know, win enough money to buy a ring. I have I, I applied crickets. Oh. And I was like, what am I doing? I was like, I've seen every episode of MasterChef. I love Gordon Ramsay. I should apply for MasterChef. So I apply uh, to MasterChef. I send the email. I send like a photo of me playing drums, mm-hmm. a photo of a scallop dish, and like a headshot that like I had because from when I was trying to book commercials, mm-hmm. it was laying around. I send off this email. I go into the kitchen. I make some coffee. I walk out to the patio. I'm sitting on the patio. I'm like, well, I don't have any money, but I'm going to enjoy this patio. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking coffee and my phone rings. It was that quick. 20 minutes later. Really? Yeah, 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Ned called me. He was like, we love your bio. We love your story. He's like, we want to talk to you. We want to get you a VIP audition. And nice. And I was like, cool, VIP, sweet. What does that mean? He's like, you get to skip the line. I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Dude, this LA audition, there were so many people. Yeah. There was, it was insane. Was it at the Lowe's Hollywood for you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. was for seasons nine and 10 for me as well. <laughs> it's the only one that they can do that's big enough that's a central location in LA. What's crazy is actually for season 11, they switched it. So they made it at the Holiday Inn in Burbank instead. Right, because season 11 wasn't getting the same pool of contestants. <laughs> They've gone through everybody in LA. Basically. Yeah, because the girl next to me in my season six audition, I told Dara this. She made a tuna fish sandwich and served it <laughs> and served it with a Bud Light margarita for her audition to make it onto MasterChef. And she believed it was the best tuna fish sandwich in the world and that it absolutely had to go with this Bud Light margarita. I was about to drink water and then I knew I was going to do a spit take. So I stopped myself <laughs> there. What the? Oh, my God. Um, and then the guy next to me, I'll never forget him because he plated, he plated and cooked beautifully. He did this, he did this venison. Oh, nice. Okay. On this, it was like a coffee rubbed venison on this puree. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Yeah. But he had no personality. He yeah. had no personality. I mean, I can see how that could yeah. screw you in the long run for that sort of thing. Cause yeah. Been there twice. <laughs> you have to. You have to have both. I mean, yeah. you have to have personality, and you have to be able to cook if you want to make it far. Exactly. Um, so I went. I skipped the line. I did the audition. I I I took my food because they tell you temperature doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But I tried to keep my food warm. Okay. Yeah. And That's it more. overcooked my scallops. Oh no! <laughs> no, and they came out like, oh my god, they looked steamed like little wet. Balls of cotton is what they look like. It was so bad. So I just pulled out my phone. I was like, I made this dish last night. This is what it looked like. I was like, <laughs> I tried to keep it warm. This is fucked. And they let, they brought me through and I just yeah. kept doing each round. I had to go into a room and they're like, name five varietals of apples. And yep. I was like, you know, and, and then, yeah, they'd ask me about my mom and I would cry. And then <laughs> they were like, oh, he's the emotional one. Let's get him. <laughs> God, back to when I cry a lot. I mean, it was emotional for you. There's a lot at stake. Yeah, I mean, it it is very emotional being back on Back to Win because I feel like, I mean, we all feel like it's our our story, right? Like it's all like it's all our shot. Mm-hmm. 
but there's just something about being back to win. Like, cause every day, I mean, I could show you my inbox. I could show you I, every day. There's not a day that goes by that there will be a comment somewhere. And then it's like the day that the day that it doesn't happen on social media, it happens in public. I'll be in a grocery store and they'll be like, Hey bro, you should have won. And I'm like, I can't hear this every day for the rest of my life. Oh my, I mean, I didn't get you should have won. I got, I cried when you got sent home every single day for like two years. And I was like, cool. I don't, yeah, you don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, right. I, I, I like feel better. The, right. Here's sugar. I don't know what the <laughs> sugar. I don't know. Here's chocolate. It makes people happier. I don't oh know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, I totally get it though. Like the constant commenting and it's just like you, it never ends. Yeah. Um, Exactly. You know, I don't, so I don't know a lot about you, about like your, uh, your personal life. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> when we, when we met, it was at back to win. I stopped watching MasterChef after my season. Cause it was like trauma. I couldn't watch it. It makes sense. It, it I, I tried that. The first thing I tried watching was MasterChef juniors. Cause that was what was airing after yeah. I got back. I put on the first episode and I was just a wreck and I was like, I can't do this. So, I mean, I, I know that we, we both drive Teslas, uh, <laughs> you and Brie are besties yep. and you can fucking cook. Like, that's all I know about you. Like, so oh tell me about like childhood Fred, like where did you grow up? You know, what, are, what is your household like? Do you have siblings or do you have parents that are together? Like what's, okay. what's the home life like? So I was born in Taipei, Taiwan, when, and then when I was one, we moved over to Torrance, California, where I spent a, probably like 15 years of my life. Wow. Um, I, why, why, hold on. Why did you move? Oh, there was some family drama with that. Basically, my dad and his brother like owned a company in Taiwan together. Okay. And my uncle got arrested in China. <laughs> So my dad spent like two years trying to bail my uncle out. And as a thank you to that, my uncle promoted my other uncle instead of my dad. That's not really a thank you. Yeah, I know, right? So because of that, my dad was like, well, screw this. I'm going to open a company in America. Like, bye-bye. So wow. then we moved to America so my parents could start their own American dream, which is a company, which is what they established. Uh, spent like 12 years like of my life anyways, like back and forth with Taiwan and America just to establish like contact with vendors and stuff like that. Uh, I have an older sister, by the way. Like I'm just throwing that out there because <laughs> you asked about siblings. Yeah. My family is pretty or like ordinary two, two parent household, two child household. Okay. I grew up in the suburbs for basically my entire life. Um, what was it? California was kind of like interesting since I lived in Torrance, which was on the more conservative side. Um, okay. If you were not white, Korean, or Christian or heterosexual, you did not fit in. Wow. I was none of those things. So <laughs> I definitely did not fit in at all. It was, that was very challenging. Like I'd get a lot of um, unkind comments about my skin tone from all the non-Asians. And then my fellow Asians wouldn't even accept me because I was not Korean or Japanese. So not only are you dealing with just traditional racism, but you're also dealing with like, I mean, what is that? What is that called? Like, I wouldn't even know. Inner, inner Asian racism. Like, I don't know the it term was, for it. It was like a very uncomfortable thing for sure. Cause like, I just wasn't in the majority, you know, like all these kids would be speaking to each other in Korean or talking about church. And I'd be like, I <laughs> can't relate. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, it was, it was fairly challenging until I think like probably like my last year in high school. That's when 
you know, people started to get more mature and they stopped caring so much about how right. like those sorts of things. Yeah. Cause life in high school, when you're a senior, you're like, Oh shit, life's about to get real. Exactly. So priorities change, you know, like, and I feel like that's when my social life started to get a bit more normal, but then I went to school in Boston cause I was like, <laughs> I'm sick of Torrance. I don't want to deal with Torrance anymore. Yeah. Um, so moved to Boston, uh, well for school, major, majored in hospitality. I wanted to actually be a pastry chef, like straight going into college. But my parents were like, get a four year degree first and then we'll talk about like culinary school or something like that. So what did, did you think? Hold on. What did you think about that kind of pressure from your family? Like, I mean, it could have been worse. Like I've had friends who straight up said, if you don't, if they didn't get into law school or like business school, they're getting disowned. So like I didn't have to deal with that level. It was just my parents were like, just get a four year degree just so that way if anything happens, you can fall back on it. But sure. In retrospect, it's fairly fair, I'd say. I mean, if they're willing to like support me on it. My parents uh, wanted for I'll say this first. My mm -hmm. parents were like, chase whatever dream you want. Mm -hmm. But they were like, you need a backup plan. Yeah. And I was like, everyone that I can name that I look up to that is successful didn't have a backup plan. And at the time, it was like Travis Barker. I was like, Travis Barker was a trash man. And he was about to take a raise at a trash company. And then he had a choice to either do that or play in a band. And he chose the band. And now look at him. I was like, I don't want a backup plan. <laughs> uh, I couldn't. And then my mom was always very tight with money. So I was scared to even ask my mom for the money to apply to a college. I was like, wait a minute. I got to send them money to send an application? Yep. <laughs> that didn't make sense to me. Oh, no, it doesn't. I mean, colleges leech a lot of money, but all you really get from it is just a network and a diploma that people look at when you apply for a job. And they're like, oh, right. you're not stupid. We'll hire you. Right. Well, and I proved, I, I went the long route, but I was like, you can, you don't have to go to college to prove that you're not stupid. Mm -hmm. But I was like... um, I was just like, this is a scam. I cannot give you money to apply. But I did miss out on the network because my buddy went to Pepperdine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he he had a different growing up than I did. But we were friends. I had a lot of wealthy friends when I was young. Mm -hmm. And it was just like rubbed in my face. This is what you could have. I'm like, okay, I'll work hard for it. <laughs> uh, but I would go party with him at Pepperdine. Nice. And then I would like see, I would see this network and I would just wear a Pepperdine shirt and I just pretended like I went there. <laughs> Smart. I just I love I, it. I would go to all these. And then before we go into the party, I'd be like, yo, what classes did you have today? And what are your teacher's <laughs> names? And he was like, what? And I was like, just tell me your teacher's names. I was like, so if I, if I have to have a conversation with a girl, I can at least sound like I go here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, catfishing before catfishing was a thing. <laughs> Bro, I've done I love it all. It. Um, so, hold on. Okay, the business that your parents had in Taiwan, was it your parents' business or your dad's business? It was my dad and my uncle's business okay. in Taiwan, and then it became just my parents' business when we moved to America, because they opened their own company. Completely. Can you say what it is? Or It was called um, ABA Cables, but then, um, oh yeah, so actually this is, something that led into my season 10 audition. <laughs> so um, between my season eight, nine and 10 auditions, um, my uncle kept harassing my parents into selling the company to him. Like he would send people from Taiwan to sneak into their warehouse and like go through their paperwork and stuff and steal vendors. It was some, it was all kinds of messed up. 
And he had been doing that for years, but like it just came to a head around, I want to say 2008, a year after I graduated college. And because of that, my parents were like, screw it. We're just going to sell it to him. So then they sold the company to him. And that kind of played into how I like pitched myself for season 10 because I talked about how we came to America, uprooted our lives from Taiwan. I endured a childhood of racism that I didn't technically have to endure. Right. Because you wouldn't you wouldn't endure that. In no, because everyone there is at least Taiwanese. So. Right. Yeah. So I have like my entire life changed because of this company which was supposed to be our family's American dream. And then we kind of lost it because our uncle took it from us. Wow. So I talked about that and how like, this is my chance to make my own American dream and, you know, take my future into my hands for once and do something with it, which was opening a bakery with my parents to replace the company that they sold off. Got it. So yeah, that's still the dream. Yeah. I mean, definitely it still is. I'm saving money for it. Like where I can, I'm just like trying my best to be, very careful at spending and investing so that way I can fund it on my own. Yeah. I technically could reach out to people for that sure. money, but, but you don't want to be strapped to them. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't want to put that burden on anyone besides myself if, if it fails, you know, I admire that, but that's the, so there's two things. Cause I got told early on in business, mm-hmm. if you're going to open a company, don't use your own money. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that too, but, but, and that was from someone very, very successful. And I was <laughs> like, okay, well, so I'm going to use other people's money, but what happens when it fails? They're like, well, you have an LLC, so the LLC is liable, not you. They can't come get all your shit. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay. But then like, but then there's something to be said if you truly like believe in yourself, which I know your stuff's amazing. So you're good. Once you do it with your own money, yeah. you're going to be getting hundred percent of the profit. And look, I'm doing the same thing with the cookie. I've, I've leveraged my, I've managed to get myself into a situation where I'm making the dream salary nice, nice. as the dream job. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to invest in myself. Mm-hmm. And I've used my own paychecks to make this cookie company come to life. And I've actually thought of you quite a bit while doing this. I'm like, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if Fred would be interested in like helping out ever coming up with some flavors or doing a collaboration. Oh, sure. I would actually. I mean, at Milk Bar, literally what I was brought on to do there was research and development for like new flavor ideas. So well, we're skipping ahead. Let's talk about <laughs> milk bar. Oh my gosh. Um, Postmaster chef. Yes. Okay. So season 10 wrapped up. My elimination was aired. Milk bar was hold on. What did you get? Remind us all what you got eliminated on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I'm making you relive your trauma real quick. Thank you. Um, what was it? So the challenge was a mystery box, but it was different than others. Mystery boxes where it's like, you can check, like, select one of the items, not all of them. They're like, no, you have to use all of them. Mm-hmm. So under the mystery box, filet mignon, langoustines, black truffle. And you had to make a dish with all three of those things in 45 minutes, which... Easy. Maybe for you. For me, I was just... Because <laughs> my cooking style, it's very unilateral. Like, I like to take one item and focus on it. Like, we had a king crab challenge. And like you want to do like king crab 17 ways. Yeah, like I okay. did king crab 17 ways and that works for me. But then with this, it's like, where do you focus? Do you go off of the dollar value? Do you go off of the biggest thing in the box, which is the filet? Like I just you overthought it. Yeah, I had no idea which way to go. So like I so focus with those ingredients. You go simple. Uh, yeah. And I did not do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My literal thought process was, well, the langoustines are a lot smaller than the filet. So why don't I do something to beef up the langoustines to make it the filets equal? So like I made noodles and like did like a truffle sauce with that and the langoustines to act as like the garnish to the steak is surf turf, you know, 
pasta, served her pasta, works as like the typical starch. And also I knew everyone else was doing puree. So I was like, I kind of don't want to do a puree if everyone else is going to do one. Right. That's the thing about that. That's the thing about back to win. Mm -hmm. And also like season six is I'm not only are we competing with ourselves? Yeah. We're competing with the challenge, but then we're looking around and we're like, we can't, I don't want to do the same thing as somebody else. Exactly. I want to be completely outside the box. Yeah. So like I did the noodles. Um, and then what happened was <laughs> basically like I focused a lot on the noodles. Didn't put, I lost track of how long the steak was in the pan for. So like I felt it and I was like, okay, this is kind of rare, but carryover cooking maybe, but it was literally on the cusp of, blue and rare so Aww. it didn't carry over cook into like medium rare at all and i knew this because three seconds left on the like clock i grabbed the filet put it onto the plate and i was like oh that's soft that's really soft oh, uh, so i remember telling brie and sherry from my season off camera right before i got judged i was like i think my steak's raw you guys and then surely enough they cut into it they say it's raw i was like god damn it why am i right i don't want to be right right now so um yeah they sent me home um and then on my way out gordon was like I'm going to hook you up for Christina Tozzi, like, see, like, if we can get a job for you there. So, um, I think around the time we filmed the finale, because we filmed our finale really late. Like, we filmed it in July, like, of the, of the same summer that the season was airing. Oh, right, because season 10 had the break. Yeah, we had, like, a three-month break between when the final three was decided and when the finale was Because filmed. of COVID. Uh, no. No. This, this was a year before COVID. Oh. I don't know why we did that. I think it was because um, the setup for the finale, like, all those bleachers and stuff, it was too annoying to set it up twice. So they decided instead of setting it up for us, dismantling it, filming the junior season, then setting it up again, that they were going to film the entire junior season first, then film the finales together. Because season eight of juniors filmed the same year we filmed, wow. which is actually the season that's airing right now or at the time of us filming this. But yeah, so um, interesting. We had like a long gap. Um, yeah. So around so, the finales, when I got contacted about Milk Bar, though. Amazing. And how did you feel about that? Were you like pumped? Were you, like, I was. As soon as they eliminated me and told me about Milk Bar, I was like, I can go now. I I, I don't need to be here. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> like, So then when, when they called you and you're like, where did you work for Milk Bar? Was it LA. No, in LA? Yeah. Because they have a West Hollywood location. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I, I worked there. Tiny. It's Yeah, it's tiny, but the team's really like fine. Everyone was just like super supportive. I have like fond memories of blasting juice by Lizzo and twerking, like frosting cakes. You were twerking. Did you not know I twerk? No, they made Big Willie twerk on the show. I know they wouldn't let me twerk at all because of Big Willie. <laughs> so annoying. he took my twerk thunder. Just kidding. I don't need to see your twerk thunder. I, it's okay. <laughs> I don't see my own twerk thunder unless I have like three shots of tequila. So no one's gonna see it. We got one right here. <laughs> <laughs> well. Bring on two more, and then I can traumatize your podcast listeners. <laughs> oh, my God. The thumbnail for, like, this podcast will just be me on the table. Oh, my God. Each. We should have you send us a video of you twerking, and we'll make that the thumbnail for the for the, for the the photo. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so you met Bree. Yep. Tell me how you met Bree, because you guys are buddies. I So I show up to Back to Win, and mm -hmm. Michael whispers to me, mm -hmm. they're best friends. They're inseparable. Yep. <laughs> like, there's nothing impossible in Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. If he wants to separate them, he will. <laughs> well, I mean, what was so? It? How did you guys meet? And like, what? Where does this bond come from? Because you guys really are like inseparable. I almost wanted to fly her out and surprise you with her as oh. and, and do a double. I just couldn't pull it together. It's okay. I mean, but speaking had, of, here's Bree. No, I'm kidding. I feel like <laughs> what? <laughs> 
You would have had me like speechless. I would have just been uh, like, <laughs> oh my uh, god, oh yeah. So let's see, where did it? What's funny is we weren't friends right away, actually. So season ten, they started with. I'm pretty sure you guys had the same thing where they started with like a much bigger group, and then they narrowed it down before like the TV stage started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we so, start, We had a hundred backstage. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. We had eighty. So top eighty first week. I barely saw Brie at all, but then I was friends with her roommate at the time because we all had roommates and stuff. So, like, oh, right, right, yeah, right, right. Her roommate was um, from like a neighboring city to me. So, like, I was like, you're my neighbor. Like, we should be friends. And then Brie's roommate didn't get on, but Brie did. And so, like, I talked with Brie just via her roommate at that point. Mm-hmm. But then me and Brie ended up in the same grouping for auditions. So, for season 10, they kind of like chopped it up a lot, but basically, they had four of us cooking at a time. And we'd be judged separately and all that, but we'd still be cooking at a time. And then after we all get our aprons, we'd have to be held in like the storage room together. So me and Brie were in the same group. At that point, I didn't really like interact with her much too at all. But I was like, Brie, we're like the same age. We both love to play pretty food. We've talked about molecular gastronomy. How are we not friends? So then me and her. So there was like a whole situation. So when after you got judged and you got your apron before the reveals, they put you in a holding room with everyone else in your group. You guys can't talk to each other, but you guys just sit there together. So me and Brie came up with a little code. So <laughs> this is how we became friends, actually. It was a little code. So there's three possible results for the auditions in my season. You could either get the apron, you could not get the apron, or you'll get this little card called the battle pass, which means you have to cook against two other people for the last apron. So our code was one means yes, two means no, three means battle pass card of death. So <laughs> we had that little code going on. She cooked, well, she got judged before I did. So I walked into the holding room after I got my apron and I looked at her and I held up one finger. She held up one. I was like, okay, we're, we're good. good. Yeah. And then Aww. after that, so like that was the start of it. And then I'd say, yeah, after that, we just like, we had a lot in common. Our personalities were like quite similar or Quite complimentary, not similar at all. We're we're polar opposites. I'm the more nervous one. She's the more calm one. But like our personalities meshed really, really well together. We were on literally every single team challenge together. Now, how did that even happen? Did because there was there ever a time that you were both not team captain? Um, yeah, no, like, and you got on the same team. Yeah, so. Um, there was only like really, I mean, there's only so many challenges. We did four in season 10, one where she was captain and one where we got to choose our own team. So those ones we had a perfect control of. Right. Over. So you ended up on the same team. Yeah. But then for the other two, it was completely random, but we lucked out and we're on the same team. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. So we like spent like every second of every day in holding together. We were always like conceptualizing dishes, talking about different techniques, um, just keeping each other sane in like a sea of chaos and craziness and speculation yeah. and paranoia that is the holding room of mastership as we all know right so that's actually kind of see you kind of lucked out having someone like brie because you guys had like your you're basically like trauma buddies you get yep. to you get to navigate together exactly because it's hard because in competitions sometimes people don't want to do that oh yeah for sure like this season this back to win christian is a like <laughs> he's not nice he was, um, he definitely kept to himself a lot, but I mean, he kept to himself, but like we had a, we had like one, we had like one bonding moment and I thought him and I were going to be tight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cause to me, back to win to me was, we're all really good. We're not, we're really not competing with each other. I mean, we are yeah. because that's the sh- nature of the show, but we're really, it's not cutthroat or it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. We're all there just trying to show the world how far we've evolved, how far we've exactly. come. 
And that's how, because like when I, season six, I went on, I'm like, I'm not going to be friends with anybody. Like we were talking earlier. I'm yeah. not going to be friends with anybody. I'm here to fucking win. And I, I was like, that was so naive and immature of me. Like I'm coming back this time with like, everyone is great and i mm -hmm. want i want to know everyone's story i want to you know when we get the opportunity to work together work together mm -hmm. you know yeah and i think that's why michael and i got along really well we mm -hmm. ended up becoming i don't know we kind of kept like our relationship like our our bond kind of quiet because we wouldn't want to tip people off that we were like working together like yeah. navigating together and mm -hmm. coming up with ideas together yeah but it helped, you know, that we were talking and we were not necessarily strategizing our cooks, but strategizing our mental game, mm -hmm. like our mental awareness and our mental health together. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's like a, an important part. But yeah, Christian was not about that this season. Christian was very like, I don't know. He was the drama. I mean, I can tell you from being on, like playing two different, I guess, social strategies in each season season 10 i was friends with everybody but that backfired on me because whenever my friends got sent home it just emotionally crushed me like yeah i had a friend molly she ended up having to cook in the battle pass round where it's three people for the last apron she yeah. didn't get the apron by the way i was like in tears and i think that was the only time i actually physically produced tears and cried because i can't physically do that normally <laughs> i have i fucked up contacts it's a whole story but okay yeah like i literally was like crying for like an hour with molly in the back room because really? that, yeah it destroyed me because like we spent so much time coming up with her dish going step by step like okay you're gonna use the mandolin for your carrots for your puree and also for your pickles so that way it's one motion for two things like things like that and she didn't get on and yeah, she was crying. I was crying. It was a whole mess. Um, so then what's your uh, what's your strategy with Back to Win? Back to Win, it was less so like, I mean, I can be friends with them afterwards, but during it's like, I'll be friendly. I'll be like cordial. I won't be like an asshole by any means, but it's like, I'm not going to like get so emotionally invested in each yeah. and every person to the point where when they go home, I'm a like mess of tears. Yeah. So I, I mean, maybe it's just like, but that was also hard because we filmed during COVID and yeah. like we, the only like social was each other. Yeah. Was each other on the fourth floor in the hallway Yep. <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> yep. The, yeah. The, the hallway party. I mean, I had like friends going into it. Like Kate and I had a really good rapport. Um, oh yeah. Samantha, because we worked in milk bar together. Like, Oh, that's right. Well, different stores, but same time. Like she was like literally the first person who reached out to me after that got announced and was like, you're going to love it here. So like, and then Gabriel and I had worked together on a few projects. So what'd you work with Gabriel? On? Uh, in Imperfect Foods, and then also there's a company he does work with called LoveWorks. It's, like, a nonprofit for, like, kids. Oh, okay. So, like, he reached out to me and Sherry for both of those before. So, like, I worked with Gabriel on two projects. I worked with Kate on one project, and I'm friends with her. And then Samantha and I were coworkers. Yeah. So, like, I had friends going into it that, okay. like, I was like, okay, well, I'll just, like, situate myself with the people who remind me of, like, home, so to speak. I tried my best not to just, like, become so emotionally invested in people this time like I did last time. Like, last time I was like... Molly wants to change her life and she wants to, you know, yeah. transition out of her miserable corporate job. Like I want to help her at least get right. that going for herself. Right. So like seeing Molly get sent home the way she did was devastating. I had another friend who we were both representing for East Asians because we're like two of only few East Asian contestants in our top 40. So it's like if either of us make it to the end, then that's a win in my books. And then he didn't get on and I was devastated about that. So 
things like that made me a little bit less wanting to be like that right. this time around. Which I think that's smart. I think going into back to back to win and not being so mo- emotionally invested yeah. is smart. I mean, I, I'm still friendly with everybody. Like yeah. Bree and I were saying though that everyone is super friendly and cool, and you know, outside of that setting, we'll totally like reach out and like yeah. keep in touch. Yeah. But it's just in that setting right now. It's like let's just try to have fun with each and every day. Yeah. But also not try to emotionally invest in everybody so that way when people go home, we don't get sad. And I notice that now because, I mean, you're so open with me now. I mean, I've in the last 20 minutes, I've learned so <laughs> like so much about you. And on the in the green room, I was trying to learn about everybody and everyone had their guard up with me. Mm-hmm. And that's because I also heard that someone was going around going, watch out for Derek. He's, he's, he's masterminding a game. Oh, don't talk to Derek. Like there were some people saying that. And I'm like, I'm not trying to do any of that. I mean, in my case, it's like, if you want to do that, cool. If you don't, cool. Right. It's a game. I can do that if yeah. I want, but that's, that's not, and and like Dara was telling me, she's like someone was someone told her that, and she was like, well, that's weird because he's super, he's like super genuine, and like I was, and now Dara and I like we're both so fucking busy, like we can't line up dinner and hang out, but it's yeah. like her, like I would have never. That's also the other thing I love about Master Chef and these kind of shows. I would have never guessed I would be friends with Dara, like no, same, <laughs> right? Like I I would never. But now I'm like, Dara, let's go ride roller coasters. Let's go to, she can drink now. Let's yep. go to the bar. <laughs> like, let's have fun. That would never happen without MasterChef. No, for sure. I mean, that's what I told Dara too, was like, if anything, I'm glad I got to go back just because I got to meet you because her and I are, like, I see her as family now. Yeah. Like, we're, it was funny because we had a moment too where we we're just like, we're basically the same person except I'm seven years older but we're basically the same person, <laughs> which, yeah. I mean, she's so mature. She's so wise for her she age. She is very mature. Like she's such a kick, like she's such a kick ass, like boss ass bitch. So like I adore her. So you dropped a little bomb on me. You said when you were auditioning for season nine, yeah, that whole dessert was like all about coming out of the closet mm-hmm. and this whole new you. Yeah. Um, tell me about that. How was that? How was that? Like oh. that's something, that's something I can't, like, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. path in life I don't I just but I want to know like what, um, if, what what was the whole journey oh my gosh I mean I kind of confirmed that I was definitely not straight by the time I was like 11 I think puberty wow. kind of just caused me to realize I'm I think it was oh no it was health class it was health class in sixth grade they showed me pictures of vaginas and boobs and I was like oh that's not doing anything for me interesting and then that's when I kind of realized oh maybe I'm not attracted to women and I kind of knew it at that point forward yeah I was in the closet until I was 21, though, because I wasn't sure how my parents would take it. Right. Because we never really discussed it that much. So I was... Well, and they seem very contemporary. I mean, they're like, we're going to go to America and chase this business dream. Yeah. They're a mom and dad. They have two kids, a boy and a girl. Yeah. Like, so that's got to be a lot of pressure. I mean, it was like, yeah, because like, you know, my dad always talked about like wanting a son that he can play football with. And I was like, oh. Oh, <laughs> Maybe my sister, my sister can like beat up boys when we we're kids. <laughs> well, I'll, you know what? I can share with you. My mom had three boys and she would tell strangers in the grocery stores because the strangers would be like, oh my gosh, three boys. She's like, yeah, I tried three times for a girl and all I got was boys. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, thanks, mom. Like, <laughs> you didn't want me? <laughs> oh, I had like a weird, my mom had a weird pregnancy situation too. So she's gotten pregnant four times, right? 
first time miscarriage, second time my sister, third time miscarriage, fourth time me. So I was like, shit, I almost wasn't born. (laughs) If any of the other miscarriages came through, I would not have been born. Wow. Like, and my mom tells me, oh, no, that's not true. I'm like, bullshit, mom. <laughs> if yeah. any of them. Where's the third kid, mom? Yeah. You didn't try for another. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah whenever I think about that, I'm just like, oh, my God, I was probably this close to not being born. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to share your story, how you told them? Oh. Because maybe that might it's help, pretty funny. <laughs> help someone else out there okay. get so, through their situation. So 2016, Trump gets elected, and obviously the world's in hysteria. Well, half the world's in hysteria. Wait, hold on. Trump is a part of your coming out story? In a stance of rebellion, I guess. Okay. So, Wait, how old are you? I'm 27. Okay. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was 21 when this happened, so okay, six so years ago. Trump um, gets elected. Trump gets elected, and, you know, the world's in hysteria. And, you know, growing up, people like Donald Trump were the people who'd pick on me. Right. Like, And I was still called homophobic slurist for all of high school, even though I was in the closet. Like that was also a thing on top of everything else. So it just like kind of amounted to a point where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. If the president's going to be the type of person who's been fucking me up my whole life, like I'm just going to, I might as well just say it. I might as well just put it out there and stand my ground on it and just let it be known because it's not like my life hasn't been any less horrible without this. So I came out of the closet Probably the most anticlimactic way, like on the phone to my parents, because <laughs> I was in Boston and they okay. were in California. Uh. So I just was like, screw it. So I called them, told them there was a whole like situation that happened with it, not with my parents, but with my roommate, because um, I didn't realize he was homophobic. <laughs> what? Something that you probably would want to screen as a gay male before rooming with a guy is that they're not homophobic. <laughs> But he was very much homophobic, um, gaslit me. It became a whole situation. I actually needed therapy for like five months after that. But um, yeah, things came to a head. It was like, ironically, you'd think it's the parents or the family that you'd have the drama with, right? It wasn't. It no, was your college roommate. It was my roommate who was supposed to be my friend. Well, you don't get to pick your roommates, No, right? we did. Oh, for, you did? For this one, I did choose him as my roommate. And then he still did that to me. And... It was just horrible. Like, I basically got gaslit. He spread horrible rumors about me, about saying, like, he only chose me as his roommate because he was into me. I'm like, first of all, no. Secondly, like, what the actual fuck? That's a weird thing to say. Yeah, I know. He's probably in the closet. I don't even want to. I'm not going to speculate what's going on with him. But (laughs) I'm just going to state the facts or what I've experienced, which in this case, he, yeah, he basically gaslit me, uh, spread horrible rumors about me throughout the Asian American student community in BU. I was, like, part of, like, the Taiwanese club at that point, but then I kind of had to, like, bow out because she just basically made me the epicenter of a lot of drama. Um, I ended up in the hospital at one point, and, yeah, like, my last semester in college, I was in therapy just trying to learn how to love myself after going through that. It was fairly difficult, but I will say that the last semester I had in college was actually the most fun I had because I moved out, I was on my own as, like, an openly gay male for the first time in my life. I came into my own. I found new friends who were amazing. Like I have a lot of hilarious memories of getting drunk on Bollywood night and <laughs> making non bread with my knees, oh. like shenanigans like that. So like, I like, my gosh. yeah, whatever happened from that semester before complete 180. I like, I've built this whole like support group around myself and that's what made me really gracious about it. Cause it could have been like, I know I like basically I did attempt to take my own life because of what happened. I did. Like I tried to jump in like a negative 50 degree ocean. 
What? Because of just the constant gaslighting, the constant like him con- like, telling everyone that I'm some sort of monster. Like I get like dirty looks like when I'd walk through campus or my friends wouldn't like my friends wouldn't even want to talk to me. And like, I just felt isolated and alone. And I just, yeah, I'm glad that I didn't go through with that. And I'm glad that I got the help I needed. I will tell people who are listening, who are afraid to come out that it might be scary. It might be difficult. You might lose friends in air quotes, but actual support will find its way to you. You also just need to continue to love who you are. So that way, by the time that support comes, you are in a good place to receive it and to be surrounded by people who will actually care about you. Yeah. So it was a tough journey for that one period of time. It got better relatively quickly. Like I graduated college with like a lot of friends who really accepted me for me. I had a boyfriend at one point right after college too, which was my first date with him, even though the relationship didn't really like it ended and it was like four years ago, you know, being able to go on a date with someone and not be afraid that like, Oh, they're going to like call us like the F word or whatever. Like it felt nice to just be on a date with someone and like actually get to sit down and do what normal straight people get to do. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Fred. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I asked because I, I'm glad I could connect with you on that story. I mean, I'm a little emotional just because like... I mean, it was, yeah, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through in my life was dealing with the homophobia specifically because, you know, I spent so much of my life just not being accepted for skin tone or religion and now like sexuality on top of that. But eventually I found the light at the end of the tunnel and... The fact that I had like so many friends who were like, we don't care that you're gay. We don't care that you're like you were raised Buddhist slash you're agnostic. We don't care that you're Taiwanese. Like right. we like you for you. And I was like, yeah. this, this is what it's like to be accepted. Yes. Sorry. No worries. I know. Um, it's a lot, but like, I mean, I got to connect with you and and just sharing, sharing the MasterChef experience with you is, is hard. And then knowing that like that's your story. I mean, how I see it is that every day I'm living right now, it's doing a favor to the Fred who was being tormented and the Fred that was isolated. It's like, I can look back and be like, I'm glad that you didn't go through with jumping the ocean. I'm glad that you found support and you found love. And, you know, I'm grateful for every day that I have where I can hang out with a friend and I can connect with somebody and not feel afraid about just being me. (laughs) And inspiring that other Fred that's out there. Exactly. So if anyone out there ever feels alone, trust me, there is someone out there who will love you and accept you for who you are. You just have to hang in there and be strong until you find that person or those people. Yeah, for sure. Well, then let's talk about Buddhist or agnostic. I mean, (laughs) let's just talk about it all. Are your parents religious in any kind of way? My mom and dad are both like not super devout Buddhist, but my mom's more religious in the Buddhism sense than my dad is. Okay. It's a really chill religion overall. Yeah. Like you don't have any obligations. Like you don't have to go to church like every Sunday or anything like that. You just pray when you feel like it. Yeah. So it's really lax and, you know, not difficult okay. to practice it. I only kind of stopped practicing religion at the end of high school because um, my best friends growing up were Mormon. One of them found out that I was gay and... Let's just say that I experienced that thing that I told you basically two times in my life, once in high school, once in college. But yeah, after like basically getting 
verbally attacked by a Mormon person, it kind of just made me realize, well, these people who are super devout to God and love God are using it as an excuse to hate. Yeah. Like attack me. Then yeah. What's the, the point more, of religion? Exactly. So, I mean, I gave, like, I just kind of stepped away from it and stopped practicing Buddhism for that reason alone. Yeah. Just because, I mean, if it's going to be used in that sense, then I don't want a part of it. <laughs> sure. But I don't have any hatred towards people who are Buddhist. I mean, it's a beautiful religion. Like, being able to sit and meditate, it's not a bad thing. And it works for some people. Just yeah. in my case, it just brings up those not so positive memories of being bullied by Mormon people. So. Sure. Well, and I, I feel like there's pieces of every religion that are are good, and there's mm -hmm. a, and there's things that are not so good, and and like I'm not religious um, in any way. I remember, I remember like young wanting to go to church because my cousin went, and then I went, and I was like, I don't like being here. Like, this doesn't <laughs> feel right. And then like my 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 dad. He's technically my stepdad. I've yeah. said this before, but he's he's my dad. He was he there raised for, you, yeah. Um, and he was raised Catholic, mm -hmm. and like my grandmother, his mom. I mean, still very Catholic, and that like he put us when he, it was like his first dad move. Like when when we all started living together, he he put us in a Catholic school, <laughs> and uh, yo, those like like the whole like Catholic school girl thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. I remember at like 10 years old, this girl, I don't remember her name, but I can, I can still see her. She was so rebellious. She like at 10, she, she would come to school like with her clothes altered and like she wouldn't listen. And it, and like the teachers were so mean. They were so, they were so mean. I was like, Nope, I'm not Catholic either. I'm like, I'm not Christian. I'm not Catholic. Let's try something else. And now I'm just, I'm at this, like, I'm at this, like, part of my journey where it's like the universe is, the universe is what God is. Like, people try to say God, like, they have to label God, mm -hmm. right? They got to, this is the thing that we're praying to, to so, just try to make a, the linear equation, right? Yeah. But, for me, it comes from playing music. It's this vibration, and mm. when when you're when you're succeeding, you're vibrating at a high level. You can feel it, right? Yeah. And it's like that's what this all is for me. It's like this universe is going around. It's spinning. Everything is in perfect time. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it from like music, like the way the Earth is spinning and how it's going around the sun and how the moon is going around us and how it's like this is all in perfect sync. And when you figure out your vibration on in this universe, then you're in sync and then your possibilities are endless. And that's what, that's how I feel. That's what I believe. And I was trying to, I was talking to somebody about this. That's a very practicing Christian. She's like, well, that's God. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right. So for you, that feeling, that's God to you. Yeah. And you put a, physical thing to it maybe and i'm and i'm like it's the it's the timing of the universe yeah i mean i like i agree that there's definitely a power that is i don't know what you call it i mean i think that the vibrations in the universe does make sense and how i see it is there's definitely something out there that's causing things to happen the way they are and 
you know, all we can do is just adapt to it yeah. <laughs> or just ride the wave of it. Yeah. Although the Catholic school is funny because um, my sister went to Catholic school for like two years. Really? Like three years. Yeah. When we first moved to America, she went to Catholic school and then um, it was a whole situation. They tried to enroll me in it too, but I was a rebellious little shit as a kid. <laughs> the like main nun, her name was Sister Mary Margaret Cooper. Cooper. She um, basically called me the wrong name and I was like three. So it's like all I have is my name. Right. So then she called me Frank. So I stuck my tongue out at her and then she yelled at my parents and basically made them donate $3,000 or else they'd expel my sister so that my parents donated the money and they still expelled my sister anyways. What? Oh, here's where it gets funny, though. So that name, Sister Mary Margaret Cooper. You can Google this. So it turns out three years ago, she got arrested because she um, stole money from the school and used it to gamble. $800,000. Homegirl had a gambling addiction, and it's like gambling nuns in Torrance. You can look this up. It's a There's real... multiple nuns in Torrance that do this? Uh, her and another lady named Lana Chang, I guess. I, didn't, I don't have any relations to Lana Chang or know anything of her. <laughs> but yeah, Sister Mary Margaret Cooper. You can look it up. I like had, uh, yeah, so that was really funny when I found out about that. I was like, shit, the lady who extorted $3,000 out of my dad got arrested for gambling. Guys, and, I'm and- 10 episodes into this podcast <laughs> and the shit that we have found out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you should have seen me when I found out because I found out through a friend who went to that school and she was like, yeah, she got arrested. And I was like, wait, what? And That's- I was like, karma. Wild. That's wild. My my math teacher in high school is a coke dealer. Oh shit. And he got he went down for a big he went down for with another math teacher from another school. It was a oh sister school and they both got busted cuz they were selling massive amounts of coke, but I was like that's the guy you want to be your math teacher. I mean, <laughs> down to the fucking decimal, he's not going to miss. No, oh, yeah, cuz like he literally wants to maximize his profit on his product. Right. Oh my god, we're such bad influences now people are going <laughs> to The whole time and then when when he got busted, I looked back, I like I closed my eyes and I remember that class and he was always <laughs> all fucking class. Oh he was and now it made so much sense. I was like, he was doing coke the entire fucking time. That's, I mean, my high school economics teacher, she wasn't like do, dealing drugs, but she had the San Pellegrino bottle that she'd take a swig from every time people acted stupid. So we kind of assumed it was vodka. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Especially if it wasn't bubbling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Thieving nuns. Who would have thought that was a topic for this podcast? That could be a movie. Like, honestly, some swindling, gambling nuns. You want to know how old she was, too, when they caught her? She was like 80. What? Yeah, she was 80 when she got caught. She did this for 20 years. Wow. Wait, so she started started swindling and gambling in her 60s? Probably, yeah. Or like late fifties or whatever, yeah. My dad used to say, "He's like, my dad used to say, if I'm not wealthy, but if I if I'm not well off by the time I'm in my seventies, I'm robbing banks." And I'm like, she robbed a bunch of rich Catholic parents <laughs> of nearly a million dollars. Wow! And she went to jail. Yeah, she went to jail. <laughs> yeah, she's dying in jail. Unfortunate. Well, not unfortunately, but yeah. <laughs> what a way to go out. Um, I wrote down some dumb questions, so I'm going to skip those. Um, back to win. Yep. <laughs> I, wait, well, how dumb? Yeah. Is it like, what's your spirit animal or something like that? No. 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 Okay. I'm not going to say. Well, okay, let's go. 
What makes you think you can win MasterChef back to win? Because you got to <laughs> feel like you can win, right? Uh, you wouldn't come on if you didn't think you could win, right? Actually, yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to win. <laughs> you don't think you're going to win? I, yeah, I, I, like, I literally just came back because um, when I found out that Brie was getting cast, like going through the casting process. You're like, Brie's going, sign me up. <laughs> no, literally. I was just like, you know what? But Brie and I are like bloody busy with our damn personal lives and our work lives and all that. We don't get to see each other that often. So this is a chance for us to like spend a solid month just hanging out together. Because like at that point, it was like a year and like seven months since we had last seen each other in person because of the pandemic. So I was like, you know what? Let's just use this as an excuse to hang out. I'm going back trying to set the record straight and win MasterChef. And Fred's just like, I want to hang out with Bree. Well, because my chances were not high to begin with. I got 10th place. That does That is bullshit. You can make amazing shit. Well, I don't know. It's going to be a big spoiler when you win. <laughs> I can't say that. Cut that out. I don't know. Maybe we'll keep it in. Um, no comment. <laughs> what'd you audition with this season? What was your audition dish? Uh, for the one that like you had to submit to them, or yeah, like the, oh. the one you had to submit. Uh, what did I make? Oh yeah, how many nineteen ingredients did you put in? <laughs> uh, so this one I featured cherry blossoms, cherries, and ruby chocolate. I called it fever dream, but basically it was like cherry blossom gelée, um, tea smoked cherries, ruby chocolate snow, ruby chocolate, and cherry blossom mousse. And then I did like tempered ruby chocolate rings to like kind of look like clouds almost i basically wanted to, to resemble cherry blossoms in full bloom in japan because that symbolizes new beginnings i don't even deserve to be on this season what the <laughs> fuck? don't say that everyone knew that you were going to be on this season uh, everyone i'm pretty sure everyone did everyone knew uh yeah no so that actually so I think they waited to call me because they like knew like they waited. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden my phone starts blowing up. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm getting calls from past contestants. I'm getting DMs from past contestants. Oh, I'm getting these messages. They're like, are you in? Are you in? And I'm like, what? What time did they contact you or what month? I don't remember. I don't remember. I've been, this last couple of years have been wildly mm -hmm. busy for me. So... Then I got the call and I was like, I'm not saying shit to anybody. I'm going to show up and be like, I'm fucking here, bitches. <laughs> and, uh, and then DeAndre called me. Do you remember DeAndre mm -hmm. from season seven? Yeah, really talented pastry chef now. He's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I went and got to try some of his food when he was working at uh, Scarpetta? Scarpetta. Nice. Yeah. Oh my I've heard really good things God. about his skill set. He is so skilled mm -hmm. undervalued taken advantage of oh. i hate it it pisses me off i want him to get him on here so he can tell some of the stories because i know that he's gone through some shit that's not deserving of his talent he's insane yeah anyway, deandre calls me he goes i already know you've been called i just want to know if you're going mm -hmm. that's what he said to me Wait, and this was before you got called at all. No, I had been called at this okay. point. He's just like, I know you've been called, so don't lie to me. Are you going? <laughs> and I said, DeAndre, honestly, the only one I'm worried about is you, so are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he supposed to be on? I thought he was. He was. Yeah, because like, oh, well, fun fact, and I don't really, well, this can be cut out, I guess, but um, because we're leaving it in. 
Oh, well, no, fuck. <laughs> Just no. kidding. Um, <laughs> there was like a whole binder with like our names and like pictures of us and everything on it. Like that someone in production had. They're carrying it around. And then me, Sam and Dar kind of stumbled upon it. And we're like flipping through the pages because we didn't know who was here and who wasn't. This was like day this three. Was- Oh, at the hotel, like uh, no, this was on set, like, but we didn't know who else was there yet because it was like just the time when we were just cooking our dishes or doing interviews. So they brought us out in groups. So I was like, let's see who's here. So then I saw DeAndre's photo and Autumn's photos with X's in front of them, like, and yeah, I knew because they were potential. Well, they were supposed to come out. Um, one of the Wranglers told me Autumn was supposed to come out, but then her OnlyFans video of her wearing the apron leaked, and that's like why she got DQ'd literally a day before she was supposed to fly out. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> So I knew that happened, but she told a slightly different story, but that was part of it. I mean, that's what I was told. I don't know. I mean, she probably knows more because she was affected by it, but that's what I was told about it. <laughs> this is going to be the best reality show podcast. <laughs> we have so many stories. It's just the layers are getting thick. It's a slow start, but man, we are getting there now. There's going to be a whole ass investigation on why Autumn didn't get on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she told her story, so. Yeah. Um, uh, DeAndre said that it had to do with the amount of time between when he worked for Christina Tozzi and when this show was airing. Uh, he got dequal- He got DQ'd because of Christina Tozzi. But that makes no sense because me and Samantha both worked for Christina Tozzi. The amount of time between, though. Uh, well, because was he currently working for her? I think he was currently working for her. Okay, that makes more sense, because me and Sam hadn't been working for her at that point. Okay. Right. Yeah, because otherwise, like, that would be a dumb reason to DQ anyone, because then me and Sam and Gabriel would Well, and that's that's when I I got there and and I heard you and and Samantha talking about that. I was like, then why the fuck isn't DeAndre here? Yeah. He would have spanked us all. (laughs) I'm sure of it. If, If he just stayed focused. I mean, just his techniques alone. Like, I've seen his product before, like, when I was in Vegas at one of Sean O'Neill's parties, and I was like, shit, where was this in season seven? You would have destroyed everybody. Yeah. But that's also, but that's the difference to outside and on a show. Yeah. Like, the stuff I can do, like, <sighs> I mean, when you have time to actually, like, develop flavors or even just put in the research into yeah. it. Yeah. And that and that was what made this Back to Win extra challenging is they took time away from us Mm -hmm. we had 45 minute rounds now instead of an hour round Mm -hmm. and we had to plate three plates instead of one Uh, plate yeah so really plating takes nine minutes now so instead of three minutes so before we had an hour you take three minutes off we have 57 minutes to cook exactly and there's also the time for running to the pantry right that used to be separate this time a lot of the time it's a part of it for my season it actually was included okay but i know for all the seasons before like from seasons nine before that's why it was so i was pissed off during season 10 because i was like why do i have to waste time running to the pantry it's far right that was annoying Mm -hmm. and then what i also didn't like about this back to win is they took away the black apron challenges oh yeah because that was your favorite i remember you telling me favorite like, I still remember our first interaction ever was during the pool party. You told my team, don't be afraid of the black apron. Yeah. Ironically, in season 10, I only had to wear it three times. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. Oh, I was at the pool party. Yeah, you told yeah, us that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did tell us that. And then again, like, it was just ironic because I remember you telling me this. And then so I only cooked in two black apron challenges to get to top 10. Amazing. <laughs> and then I got sent home like on my first one in top 10. Uh. But yeah, it was like super awkward because like. Meanwhile, Derek had to like hustle his ass off. And then in my case, I was case, in the most black apron. You challenges. were. I remember that. You said it was your cape. And I was like, yeah. Meanwhile, for me, it was like straight up my noose. Oh, 
Mm. <laughs> Literally, like your kryptonite. I had three black apron challenges. The first one, I almost went home. Second one, I if there was a winner, it would have been me or one other person. The third one, I got sent home on. <laughs> wow. So it's like, boop, boop, yeah, boop. I'm I'm really bummed that that's not a part of this. Um, but it's okay. New challenges. I got it. It's wild that they just straight up send us home at the end of a team challenge. You're telling me that was like, <laughs> yeah, like holy shit. Um, who are the judges on season ten? Same ones as season eight, uh, season twelve. So, oh, you all familiar faces for me. <laughs> it was all new. That was my first time for cooking for Joe. Oh wait, oh, we Arone? Or, or Joe and Arone. Yeah, because you had Christina and then Graham. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And there's so many of you guys from season six back too. Dude, there was a lot of us. Yeah, there were like six of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, season ten had like seven of us, but I was just like, why is it our seasons that are overrepresented? But we had the most. We had the most of a season to get aprons. That's true. You guys had yeah. five, which I was like, shit. Yeah. The only person who didn't was poor Olivia, who me and Bree knocked out. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. Aww. <laughs> Olivia, Olivia is my homie. She's so funny. It's funny because Olivia and I got along so great on season six, mm-hmm. and then the season ended. We didn't really talk, and then it was about to air, and mm-hmm. we were talking about doing a party, yeah, a fina- like a, a air party, not a finale, an air party together, and then we didn't talk again until uh, the pool party. Oh, re- wait, what the? That's like four years. I know. <laughs> and we picked up at the pool party, like we've been friends the whole freaking time. Jesus, okay. And then we didn't talk from the pool party until- Back to when? Back to when, and we were like- we were getting coffee every morning, dishing drama down in the courtyard. We yeah. like walked out of the hotel because we're yeah. like, they have it fucking mic'd. <laughs> <laughs> like we went outside the hotel and we were dishing all the drama every morning. And then I haven't talked to her since. That's like, that's like her and I's friendship. Like when, when we are together, we're best friends. And then when you guys aren't, then it's just strangers. Like we're, yeah. We're strangers. Not, <laughs> not caring about winning. Uh, <laughs> So you have no strategy going into back to win? My strategy is just to show the growth as a person between yeah. seasons 10 and 12. I felt like in season 10, I had a lot of stage fright where I just was like, none of this is normal. I don't understand what's going on. Right. So like I had a like a hell of a lot of anxious anxiety, like anxiety and like stage fright in season 10. So I was like, OK, well, season 12, I just want to show that, you know, I have matured over the last three years. I'm not as as nervous Still nervous, but not as nervous as I was in season 10. And, you know, just to show like the evolution in my pastry skills, that was really all I came back to do because I felt like if I went into it and was like, I'm going to win this, it's going to be mine. Like if I got anything less than that, it might be disappointing. So I was like, if I set like super low expectations for this and it just, I'm going to hang out with Brie for a month and like catch up and then just cook food, then it'd be a lot more enjoyable that way. Um, Season 10, did you have a favorite challenge? Um, let's see here. Okay, well, I mean, I'm hella biased about this. So we had a king crab challenge where we had to cook like a $500 Alaskan king crab for Morimoto. I wish. Oh, yeah, that one was funny because at that point, I I did win a lot of challenges, but they're all either team ones or like skills-based ones that had nothing to do with actual like plating up food or cooking food. So that was my first challenge where like I actually got to cook my own food without like any super crazy parameters that would have messed me up. I was just cook whatever you want, just using this one ingredient. I'm like, Mm -hmm. perfect. I don't suck at that. So then I made a dish and then I ended up winning that one. What did you make? Uh, So I did a take on lanterns using um, homemade pasta dough. I did like ravioli shaped them like lanterns. I said it was inspired by like the lantern festival in Taiwan. 
there was a broth that w- like made, was made with the king crab that was poured into it. The filling was ironically similar to Emily from Back to Win's audition dish. I did creme fraiche and king crab meat, and then I did like pickled fennel and braised fennel and a fennel crab broth. And then um, they cut this out, but I made the judges pray with me on this because Aww. in um, Taiwan, the lantern festival, you write a prayer on the lantern before yeah, you set it afloat. Set it yeah. yeah, so I was like, we're going to set it, uh, the lanterns afloat with water, with, with the broth, but in this case, you want to put in a prayer before you do it. <laughs> so then I made them do that. They cut it out probably because it's like too too much time. Yeah. That's so smart. You have you. I love that you approach every dish with a, a full story. I think, I mean... I felt like with the challenges where I had time to just sit down and really think it through, I was like, I'm just going to go for it. So that one, I first time I burned the top anything for any like challenge at that point, And then I ended up winning that one. I was like, how did the Baker boy win a King Crab challenge? Right. <laughs> yeah. Fate loves irony. Uh, they like to do that a lot on these shows. I feel like it's a theme in all of them that the, uh, the, whoever's like that wins like the opposite thing that they do exactly and like that could never happen with me because i show i like to show that i'm versatile in everything and, yeah. and my thing is about plating mm-hmm. and which is funny because i i had a check jc the other day he hit us up about some endorsement that they oh, want yeah, us to do. Oh, yeah, like the equipment stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, and I was like, I'll take just the plates. And he goes, well, that's kind of like Bree's thing too because she's the plating queen. And I was <laughs> like, JC, I was like, you know I can plate too. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. I was like, what, I was like, what kind of comment? I, I checked him. I was like, bro, <laughs> just because my, my Instagram handle isn't plating queen. <laughs> plating drummer. Yeah, the plating drummer. <laughs> um. When you come off the show, mm-hmm. I know I did a lot of pop-ups. Did you do any pop-ups or any, are you selling any baked goods? Like, what are you doing with, with this, uh, with this spotlight? Well, season 10, me and Brie did like a series of pop-ups oh, together. You did? Yeah, we did do like some between like LA and Dallas. We had one in OUE Skyspace, which was really fun. Where's that? Uh, the US Bank building in downtown LA, like the oh, really yeah, tall yeah. tower with the glass slide. Yeah. yeah. So we did our first pop-up there. I was like, holy shit, we actually pulled this off. How the fuck did you get that? Uh... Let's just say the networking thing from college. So I had a friend whose family owns the building, <laughs> just casually. I was like, wait, what? Because I remember this. I was stressed. Have I you of... eaten at 71 above? Actually, I haven't. I had a oh, friend who was so a chef good. there. I want to, though. But yeah, so she hooked it up for us. And I was like, this is actually happening. And then Bree's like, this is actually happening. I was like, wild. So we did that. How many, how many people? We did a really small seating, just like 18 people, because... It was like just the two of us and the kitchen setting was kind of weird for that one because they wouldn't let us use the commercial kitchen. So we had to bring induction burner. So we're like, okay, well, we'll just limit it to this and be chill with it. Um, So we did that. We did a couple. Well, one pop up in um, down. What was it in Dallas at like a speakeasy or a restaurant called Felix Cup Hoopla? Yeah. Yeah. So we oh, did, that's literally right by my place in Dallas. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like we did one there. So we did one there for like 50 people. Then we did... um a series of them for Chinese New Year's back in downtown LA. And then we did like an event with Museum of Dream Space in Beverly Hills. Okay. So they reached out to me randomly. They're like, do you want to sell like desserts and stuff for like our Valentine's Day event? They didn't tell us it was an LGBTQ one, which was funny. I mean, it didn't matter because Bree's little sister's lesbian. I'm gay. So like it didn't matter. But it was just funny because like we see like all these like drag queens walking in and we're like, wait, what? And like all these same sex couples. I was like. Damn it, we are we're dressed too conservatively. Wow, because like we were dressed like so. Brie was the only straight person there, basically. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but yeah, so that was like really great. And then, then we were planning another one in Dallas, and then the pandemic happened. 
but yeah, since then, like I was doing like a lot of like, like online demos with, um, friends. So like Sherry from my season, I did one with Bree. Uh, I did launch an ebook for donuts like two years ago and I donated all the proceeds to the, it gets better foundation, which is like a foundation targeting, mm-hmm. um, like youths in the closet and yeah. like, you know, Letting them know it gets better. It does get better. Yeah, so I donated half the proceeds to them and the other half to the Black Lives Matter network so that way we can help make the world a less hate-filled place. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else have I done. Lots of, like, random cake orders here and there where people were just like, hey, I live in, like, this city and it's, like, two miles from you. Can you, like, make me a cake? And I'm like, here's the price. And they're like, okay. So I've been doing a lot of that, but... What is it? What does a Fred cake cost? Actually, not that bad. $60 for, like, a three-layer six-inch cake. That beats like about eight people. So, Fred, <laughs> raise your prices. I that's what everyone says, but I'm like, okay, but if I do, then they won't buy from me again. Bullshit. <laughs> They'll buy from you more. Fair enough. But yeah, like I mean, here's I, the th- here's the thing. This is what people do, mm-hmm. and this is my experience. This is my advice from experience. When you raise your prices, when you have a good product, mm-hmm. and it increases the value to the consumer. So like the person that's buying it values it even more. Mm -hmm. They want it either way. Yeah. If they like your product, they're going to buy it. Mm -hmm. So you need to put the value on it that it deserves. Yeah. I mean, the one time I did price, I felt like market appropriate was for a wedding cake because it was for 30 people. So that one I did sell for $300 and I was like, okay, you should have sold it for (laughs) $3,000. Oh my God. I feel like if I charge those prices, I don't know. I mean, you could. I, I I get it. I do. I mean, I know that I underprice it. It's just like, I guess my pricing model was based off of milk bars too. Was my issue because that's literally how much a milk bar cake costs is sixty bucks. But that's because she's mass producing, mass it. producing, and at vanilla or chocolate vanilla. So right. But also, like, she has stores. She can like, it's different. No, right? I know. It's like a commissary situation. Yeah. Dude, my cookie right there, I sell for $30. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's gigantic. It is gigantic. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. And the box is amazing. And it's a whole experience. I'm selling an experience. Mm-hmm. But it's not $30 because I want to rip people off. It's $30 because that's what it's worth. Yeah. And I get it. And I mean, I have I get orders every day. And I'm, I ship them around the country. Mm-hmm. Your cake is worth more than $60. <laughs> Thank you. I mean... I definitely your everyday cake should be three hundred dollars, and your wedding cake should be three thousand dollars. Thank you. Go I, price that, and you'll see. Thank because you. here's the, here's the other thing to look at it. If you sell if you sell ten cakes a month at thirty dollars, or one cake <laughs> a month at three hundred dollars, yeah, you're making the same amount. That is very true, <laughs> and you're doing less work. That is also very true. I mean, yeah, I definitely need to revise that pricing model. It's just. I just gave it to you. Yeah, it's thank revised. you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's revised. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Fred's new uh, cake <laughs> prizes are $300 a cake and 3000 for a wedding cake. <laughs> and you're going to love his wedding cake because it's going to make your wedding much more memorable than the bride or groom's speech. Before you tried out for MasterChef, was there any other shows that you tried out for? Similar to you, I did uh, like put in a submission for Chopped because, like you, I am also like a huge fan of it. I watched like so many episodes. I think at one point I actually like downloaded and like downloaded the actual episode files to my computer so I could just stream them in, like whenever I wanted. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, never heard back from them either. And I was like, well, they're, I, 
That's a tough office to crack. Yeah, I know. Like, they literally just didn't care. And I was like, okay, well. Which is surprising because they go through way more contestants. Yeah, I know. You'd think because they have such a huge net, they'd still eventually scoop you up. But no, they never did with me. And then, hey, Chopped, Fred and I want to be on. (laughs) Maybe the same time. Oh, God. (laughs) I'll just, like, casually leave Basket and Greens off. You can have that. (laughs) No, come on. It would be fun. We should do that on it. We should do that. We should do an Instagram video. Where we sure. do we do a chop style mystery basket. Oh my god. I mean off camera again, but I will tell what was it? It's I on. Joked, We're on. <laughs> I joked around with Dara that we should make a mystery box with all the ingredients Katura used for her dish that she <laughs> Shade. See, you are the bitchy one. <laughs> I can be bitchy. I'm only yeah. bitchy when I'm talking about a bitch, which Ah Okay, I don't know, Katura was What was she thinking? She was she's a special one. That's what I'll say. Like season 10. We were friends. Then between season 10 and back to win, she kind of like went off the deep end. Oh, this reminded me of my question. Keep going. Yeah, she just went off the deep end, started going off on everybody. And like, she just kept attacking me. And I was like, dude, I'm a grown ass adult. I don't have time for you to continuously be like, you're like insulin, whatever. Like, I was just like, okay, well then fuck you too. She was on several things. Or needed to be on several things, as Brandy would put it. <laughs> she was a special one. Yeah, so, I mean, her her dish was bizarre. Let's make sure to include in that mystery box watermelons and mangoes. <laughs> Did she put water? No, she wanted to, but they didn't have it or something like that. In her back to win? Yeah. What was her dish? Uh, so, it was rice noodles with an uni coconut sauce, caviar, peppers, trout roe. Um, there was shrimp that Dara and I, to this day, still discuss how she cooked it, because we don't know. Yo, the first, that's what I lost it on her immediately because she, she was in the hotel, mm-hmm. a door caddy corner from me. So we would always have to wait in the hotel to be let into our rooms. Yeah. So we would talk there and she was just talking like she was the best. And then it was time for her to go compete. She dropped her rice noodles in first. It was 42 first, minutes to go. Yes. I First thing she did. <laughs> 27 minutes cooking. I kept track of it. I was like. How long have they been in there for? Okay, you were doing the same thing I was. I was sitting next to Michael, and I was like, Michael, was like, she just dropped her rice noodles. With like, like no. two minutes to go. He's like, no. I was like, yeah, we're only two minutes in. Mm-hmm. I was like, the, no way. And yeah, she cooked them for 27 minutes. Yep. I Yeah, like Dara and I were like trying to figure out what was going on at the station. It was really funny. Um, How was Micah on your season? He was... um. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> he was nice to me. I'll he's, leave. A, he's a lovely human. Well, he was nice to me as the like easiest way to put it in terms of my interactions with him. Not nice to other people. He has um, m- one of my friends is Sherry, and he was not so kind to her. Very unkind, actually, to the point where I was like, Sherry, just block him if he's going to talk to you that way. Um, His Instagram got hacked. Oh, yeah, I saw that. He He hasn't gotten it back yet. Yeah, he hasn't. He messaged me like, well, his hacker messaged me and was like, Bitcoin. Yeah, I was like, no, like this is. That's a huge scam going around right now. And it's getting everybody. Yeah. I don't know how it's happening. It's frightening because I'm like any day now, my Instagram is going to get hacked. Yeah, like you'll get like a weird URL. You click it and then. Bye bye Instagram. Bye bye Instagram. Yeah, so I don't he know. He hasn't gotten it back yet. Yeah, I feel bad because he has a lot of followers. Yeah, I mean, to me, he was a nice guy. To a lot of my friends, not so nice. He said 
one really fucked up thing to Brie, and Brie was like, what the actual hell? I've never said anything mean to you. What did he say to Brie? So Brie played it in a dish like a Brie's lobster. like the sweetest I know. person ever. She's like super non-problematic. So she played it like a lobster bisque dish with like a bread, sorry, with a bread cracker on it, like a rectangular yeah. like wheel. And then he like threw shade at her on Twitter that same day and was like, I hate how people are putting baby vomit soup with like saltine crackers on the plate or whatever. So she called him out on it. He wrote that? He wrote that. She sent us- As a comment? Well, no, on his Twitter. He tweeted that. Oh. But then she saw it and was like, what the actual fuck? Like, we were friends. Like, I never said one bad thing to you. So he did that to her, which I was like- Yeah, so there, like, I mean, to me, he was docile. But I know that he has had his drama with some people from my season. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I had to sit next to him during the whole- battle for our aprons oh yeah he just kept yelling out the same thing over and over and i was like just (laughs) like dude like like just say something else yeah yell out something else anything just not that like it was so annoying i mean i want to talk to him though he's he's definitely got like a lot of interesting perspectives yeah um I wrote down music. I don't know. What kind of music are you into? <laughs> oh my God. I'm such a weeb. Um, what yeah, was it? What, you're such a what? Weeb, like anime nerd. I grew up like literally watching so much anime and J-pop. So like lots of J-pop, EDM, um, old school Zed. I don't really like everything after Find You. I didn't really care for like his song Find You. Yeah. But then, um, yeah, everything before that, I like stole a door. Calvin Harris, bef- like yeah. un- of, uh. until summer, up until summer, everything after summer, I was just like, I don't care for either. Yeah. I listen to like a group called mystery schools. They focus on like really disco-y, like a little bit electric. Um, uh, one of my favorite artists, well, two of my favorite American artists, Dua Lipa. I loved her until, um, what was the song that she, I, well, I liked her until levitating, like levitating was the last song of hers. That I was like, I was like, this is a bop. Okay. And then I love Lizzo more so as a person though. Not just even, her music's great, but I just love Lizzo's energy and her vibe. I like to say this all the time, but if I ever have like a live action reenactment of my like of my life as a movie, you want Lizzo to play? She's you. gonna have to play me, but she has to play me at all ages. So when I'm born, it's gonna be Lizzo in a diaper on my mom's lap, like crying like a baby. <laughs> if Lizzo, if you're hearing this, I like let's oh, get drinks. My God, yeah, like I, I have a weirdly unhealthy obsession with Lizzo. I love her. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you're down. You're down in like. Uh, are you still in Torrance? Like uh, like South? Torrance Redondo Beach, yeah, Redondo, like South Bay. Yeah. What are your some of your, What are some of your spots down there? What do you like to go eat down there? Mm, favorite ice cream spot is called Concha Creamery in Gardena. It just starts with ice cream, Let's of course. <laughs> it's it's a priority. Ice cream. Do you go to ice cream and then dinner? Yes, and then ice cream afterwards again. Ice you cream sandwich. <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, you're so, sorry. Okay. Okay. What what's the place? Concha Creamery. So it's like a Japanese um ice cream store, family owned. They donate, like, I believe 1% of the proceeds every single day to, I want to say it's St. Jude's. Mm. So, like, you're get, like you're giving to charity while getting ice cream. It's really good quality ice cream. They have, like, lots of fun flavors. Um, my favorite one is their uni- Mr. Universal, which has, like, oat, oat cookies in it. So it's, like, crunchy. It's, like, creamy. It's sweet. They also have really good parfait, Japanese-style parfaits, which is just, like, ice cream with, like, jellies and, like, cornflakes and... Red bean paste and mochi. Oh, I love red bean paste. Yeah, like I highly recommend that place. Um, if you, anyone listening, if you haven't had like a Thai dessert with red bean paste, like 
you oh, yeah. got to try it. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's so good. It is really good, and it's so fun to make, too. Um, That's what I love about California. The diversity? And it's just the diversity. Like, you can really, like, if you want to try it, it's here. You don't oh, yeah. have to travel far. Exactly. Like you, like, you can literally go, like, five minutes away, and you can find basically any cuisine within a five-mile radius. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to think what else is there off the top of my head. Um... Primo Italiano is pretty good for Italian food. Yeah. For the South Bay, it's like they they I've have homemade it. homemade pastas, like um lots of like very traditional pasta shapes too. Like not even just your basic ravioli. Like they have like the pasta like the stamped circular sheet pastas that aren't mm -hmm. like ravioli. Mm -hmm. So they have like a lot like they use like ramps and stuff like that too. So very seasonal. I really like that place a lot. Um, I'm trying to think what else is like even somewhat worth going to. What about date night? Like if you were to go out on a date, where would you go? I'd say Primo Italiano for like a nice date. If you want more of a casual vibe, um, <laughs> oh my God, like the grimy like stoner type food that I eat. Um, <laughs> there's a place called Albertitas. I think they renamed it, but if you type in Albertitas Gardena into like Google Maps, it'll take you there regardless. It's like the drive through Mexican place with carne asada fries. Like <laughs> literally, I know, right? I am like a... I yeah, that's my date night. You're gonna have straight men dating you. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Yo, we can go with Fred. He's gonna take us. To, we're gonna go drive through Mexican and carne asada fries. Carne, carne asada fries done." Hey, if you can't like get down with that, then don't even like. We have no future together. <laughs> Facts. Are you dating anyone right now? Uh, yeah, I do have a boyfriend. Oh, yeah, it was the funniest thing. So we met. So oh, I think you told me right before Master. <laughs> Do tell. Share the story. So Friday of that same week was when I left for filming for season 12. Monday was when I had my first date with him. Aww. I had date number one. With Did him he take you to carne asada fries? No, I think <laughs> he ate pizza, okay. which I'm still fine with. I love pizza okay. too. Um, So we like had first date on that Monday, second date on Wednesday. Funny thing was I tried to lie to him about where I was going. <laughs> Cause like, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know how serious this is going to be. So I was like, yeah, I'm doing like task force for hotels and NorCal. So I'll be away. So I just said that. And then like, I couldn't keep up with my own lies cause I just suck at lying. So eventually I think we're scrolling through like some old photos on my phone. And I had like the video of my audition on there and the thumbnail was Gordon Ramsay's face. And he was like, is that Gordon Ramsay? I was like, yeah. And he was like, hold on. So he clicked into it and then he didn't it, know. He didn't know. <laughs> Oh my god! He didn't even know about season ten, so that's the funniest part. Wow! So well, had, at least he liked you before he knew you could cook, right? Yeah, he didn't really care about that when he like talked with me. He we had like what was it? Because all the video game weeb stuff. That's like what he liked about me. So ah. yeah. So we were talking through all of season twelve. I didn't give him any spoilers or anything like that. He was just like, "How are you doing? Is like today a good day or not a good day?" And I yeah. just be like, "Yeah, we can talk for a bit." Or nah, I'm not feeling like talking at all. But um, yeah, so like we kept talking throughout the entirety of filming season twelve. We kept talking after season twelve, and three days ago, I think was our seven month an anniversary. So wow. we've been talking for a long time. <laughs> seven months. Yeah, that's awesome. What a way to start a relationship, right? Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, like, that's why I'm at a, like, I'm kind of at a loss right now. Cause I'm like thinking about trying to start a relationship during filming something that's like so big, so important. Like, I just like, I can't even imagine. I didn't even <laughs> think that it was going to become a relationship. Honestly, like how'd you guys meet? Like Tinder <laughs> on Tinder, <laughs> like just dating apps. Yeah. Like we just matched. We talked um, after the first date, we had like really, really good personal chemistry 
emotionally, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to be in a relationship right now because of what's going to happen. You know, I wasn't that stressed because it just ended up working out and it was really nice. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. What's he do? Oh, this is always a fun conversation. Oh? So he is a drug analyst for the government. So basically, like, the police would give him, like, samples, and then he has to analyze it to see if there's, like, cocaine or meth or any of that on it. So sometimes I'd be like, how's work? And he'd be like, I just did a lot of cocaine. I'm like, oh, that's right, your job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So he analyzes it, but he doesn't touch it. He doesn't touch He hates it. Like, one yeah. time it got on, like, the meth got on his skin, and he flipped his shit. So he, I mean, could you imagine he has to, like, go, he, he, like, he has to work and then go catch a flight and accidentally have, a dr have like, drugs on him, and a exactly. drug dog, like, goes yep. crazy? Exactly. That's his biggest fear. Ironically, his dad's a pilot, so he does travel a lot. Oh so he's like, yeah, he hates drugs like crazy. Um, He also hates coconut oil because apparently one time someone melted cocaine into coconut oil and it was like five tubs of it. And you can't. And he had to analyze it. Yeah, he had to separate the meth from coconut oil, which apparently is really hard to do. I, I wouldn't know how that works, but he was like, yeah, I had to smell coconut oil in my nostrils for like two weeks. I was like, yeah, no, that would do it. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want to touch coconut oil after that either. Again, 10 episodes into this podcast, separating <laughs> meth from coconut oil. Coke. Coke <laughs> from coconut oil. <laughs> or was it? Days. No, I was. Yeah, I think it was Coke. So does, does he, so you get to fly free with him now? Well, sometimes, but like I try not to take advantage, obviously, of like, but he does travel. Well, he does travel like very spontaneously because like his family. Yeah. When he found out that you can cook like you do. Do you cook for him a lot now? I baked for him after I think like our seventh or eighth date. I was like, I'm not going to put this out right away because I feel like in the past when I was dating people, that was the first thing that would happen. And they're like, well, we got what we want. We don't give a shit about you. <laughs> Bye. Also, by the way, the gay dating scene in like L.A. proper. <laughs> Tell me, what's it like? Oh, so shallow, so superficial. It's just like you talk to them for one second and then somehow they think that they're just too good for you or they're hot shit. So then they ghost you. Yeah, it's like that a lot with a lot of like what I call the city gays. Well, girls ghost guys all the time the same way. Yeah, but it's like I'm talking to you for two months and then you suddenly just like <laughs> ghost. Yeah, just ghost. I'm just like, yeah, like just like not, I'm not even a, I'm not feeling this anymore by like at least I could work with that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like really weird. And also, yeah, like dating in L.A. was really tricky because of that. But luckily like my current boyfriend, he lives in the suburbs as well. Well, sort of. He lives in Long Beach. I count that as the suburbs. <laughs> you guys are are you guys talking about living together at all? I mean, we've been dating for seven months, so not really yet. But yeah. like the fact that we've had a relationship for this long and it, nothing bad's happened yet is it's, yet. it's a good sign. <laughs> what do you mean yet? <laughs> okay, bad things happen eventually. It's just a matter of like Aww. you know if like we can overcome whatever comes to head. But yeah, it's been like very fun. <laughs> A nice seven months. Amazing. I wanted to quiz you on like uh, MasterChef okay. things, but I don't, I, I was like, I don't even know what to ask. Okay. I mean, spitball. <laughs> <laughs> Runner up season three. Oh, he died. Josh Marks. <laughs> you chose the one runner up who died. This is why I, I knew I knew I shouldn't have I knew I shouldn't have played this game. Oh my god! Literally, I was talking. <laughs> Rest in peace. He probably knows the color shirt he was wearing too. Uh, god. Well, try something that's not. Scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. No, that was like literally just the worst possible one. I think. No one else died. Uh, 
runner up season one. Season one. David Miller. I only remember this though because um, what was it? His last name was the same as Whitney's last name, so I was like, "This uh, is funny." <laughs> They're okay. both Millers. Ninth place, season five. Daniel McGuffey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Does someone want to Wikipedia this and like confirm? <laughs> yeah, you got that. You. What was it? Daniel McGuffey, season five, ninth place. Ninth place, season five. I'll ask the next question. Uh, what? dish did he go out with okay so he had a head-to-head souffle cook-off cheese souffle against jamie vitolo who was on back to win and she sent him home <laughs> dude Super fan. your master chef knowledge is it okay uh, i need to replace this knowledge with something else that's actually more useful <laughs> right now it's it's coming in handy uh okay let's go let's make it a little tricky 11th place season seven Okay, well, hold on. Uh, oh, actually, that's, that's Andrea, who was also on Back to Win. <laughs> Wait, are we, are we all just fact-checking this right now? Yeah. Ninth place, right, ninth place? Yeah. Season five? Season five was Aran and Victoria. Ah, sh- Daniel was eighth. Daniel was eighth. Was eighth. Damn it. <laughs> that was a trick question, because Aran and Victoria got sent home together. Ah, uh, okay. Dang it. Al- okay. <laughs> I should have known that too. Though. 11th place. What did I ask? 11th, 11th place, place. Season seven. Season seven. That should be Andrea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yay. Okay. Nice. I didn't screw that one up. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, okay. Let's ask some. Let's, <sighs> trust me. Sean, when he first met me, was quizzing me in front of all the other winners. I think I creeped Whitney out because he was like, what dessert did Whitney make for her finale? And she was like, oh, it was too long ago. And I said it. And she's like. God, you, you remember? I'm like, yeah, wow. you were one of my favorites before Christine. What was my audition for season six? It was a lamb dish. I remember that, but I don't remember exactly. Because your dish and the other guy's dish, I remember one had pistachio in it, but I can't remember. Okay, that was yours. Okay. I vaguely, I remember that. And Amanda and the other girl made koftas, I yep. believe. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay, now we're going to play a real game. Okay. <laughs> we're going to test your palate. Oh, God. Am I going to be blindfolded? Yep. Yay. <laughs> Why is everyone so excited about being blindfolded on this podcast? I don't know. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, for real. Shit. So we're going to pause. Here's your blindfold. Perfect. Okay. And then throw the headphones back on. Okay. While you're doing that, I'm going to move my mic. Okay, so Fred, mm-hmm. because you are so sophisticated oh God. with your ingredients, I'm giving you the hardest taste test I've done yet. Shoo. Okay. <laughs> so take that as a compliment. Thank you. Watch me screw up on all of them. <laughs> no, there's some that I feel that you're guaranteed are going to get. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, that's a different story. But <laughs> well, we'll see. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. So this is how it's going to work. Okay. Um. I'm going to feed you. Your boyfriend's going to be so jealous right now. I know. <laughs> Ryan, if you're watching this, I'm not cheating on you. It's not cheating. It... He's straight. I'm not into... <laughs> and taken. We're both taken. We're both taken. Although there's been a lot of gay men that have tried to convert me. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I don't straight chase. That's just so much there's work. There's a term for, for it. I there is not... a term for it. Yeah. Okay. Straight chasers are just wasting their damn time. If a man says he's straight, he's straight. <laughs> Okay. Oh, well, I mean, at least for that. Like, I don't know. Maybe he's not, but like, don't, like, don't, yeah. Like, let's Here not pursue go. that. <laughs> let's start 
Let's start the game. Okay, this is the first one. Uh, when I say open, you'll open and then mm-hmm. I'll feed you. Okay? okay. Open. Carrots? Done. Nice. Okay. We just had a next level chef not get that one. Wait, where's my water? Uh, oh, here. here okay. All right. I gave you an easy one first. Thank you. Were they normal carrots or were they rainbow carrots? <laughs> no, they were normal. Oh, okay. You can't taste color. I was hoping I could, but then I was like, eh. <laughs> I was like, is it purple? I feel like I should have done rainbow carrots. I was like, I have a purple Missed vibe. <laughs> but it wasn't. Okay. This one's going to be tough, and I'm going to give you a small amount because it's very powerful. Oh, God. Is it wasabi? <laughs> no. I'm not trying to do that to you. Okay. Open up. just feel like he's going to get every one of these. Hmm. We're testing that chef palette. Okay, it's like tastes really citrusy. I don't think it's... Is We're it, also chewing a lot for something that is in a puree form. <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm trying to like get the texture of it. It's very fibrous, and it's like kind of oily and kind of citrusy. You should have it with that. Is it not lemongrass? Boom! Okay. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I wasn't sure because I was like, it smells like lemongrass, but like I feel like the texture of it, well, not the texture, but like it was like a little bit fattier or oilier. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's uh, in puree form. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> okay, this one. This one's going to be tough. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe you'll get it. I don't know anymore. <laughs> There's been a little alteration to this ingredient. Okay. You can't really eat it raw. Oh. Okay. If it's a protein, I'm probably screwed. No, it's not a protein. <laughs> okay. Ready? Open. Hmm. I love how he's like so studious about this. Like, there's no like. <laughs> Dara would lose her shit. Everything I put in her mouth. Really? Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> Mm. Okay, it's bitter. It's a little slimy. I almost want to say it's okra seeds. So close, but I'll give you one more guess. Oh. Huh. Can I get another spoonful? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> close to okra seeds, but not... Qu- oh, I, I just... Uh, yeah, it's more bitter than okra seeds are. Open. Mmm. I'm impressed that you're even like that close, bro. Hmm. Five, mm. Four. Three. Two. Uh, one. Okay. Um. I, it's not mustard seeds. Yes. It is. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? It's not that strong though. Like, <laughs> oh, oh. I pickled them. Uh. Okay. That's why I was like, "There's no fire to it." So. Okay. <laughs> Amazing, dude. Wow. You have a fucking palate. I don't know about that. I think I got lucky. All right, this next one. Let's just see. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're 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 so sophisticated. I don't know about that. I feel like go. I got lucky. Open up. Oh shit. Oh. Okay. I knew that was gonna happen. I like I know the mic is like right it here was, in front of me. It was but... my fault. I bumped it. Okay. <laughs> no worries. I can't even tell what's going on right now. <laughs> Open up. Okay, it tastes like a candy yam. 
but it could be a carrot. Wait, no, it's not, definitely not a carrot. We already had carrot. Um, is that not a yam? No. Huh. Plantain? Banana? Quince paste. Oh, damn it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we stumped him on one. <laughs> okay, last one. Okay, let me just get a sip. Mm. You have three seconds. Okay. <laughs> I'm like afraid now if it's like wasabi or something. Okay, open up. Three, two. Miso? Wow. Whoa. <laughs> it's his favorite ingredient. It is. I like using everything. <laughs> I wanted to test and make sure it was your favorite. Great job. Remove the blindfold. Thank you. Woo! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I gave you the hardest stuff and you did the best out of anyone yet. Really? Yes. Well, wait, how did Dara do? I feel like Dara would have crushed it. She did really good. Mm -hmm. But I didn't give her I didn't give her as hard of ingredients. <laughs> I mean the mustard seeds definitely threw me off at first. I was like, but like I gave I didn't I didn't give Dara like lemongrass. Like that was a tough one and you got it. Well, Thank you. I mean, <laughs> well, that was fun. <laughs> Speaking of miso paste, you mm -hmm. love working with miso. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, your uh, your audition for season ten. Yep. With that miso chocolate cake. I was so nervous when that came out. Oh, really? Like, watching it because you like pull it out and it's just like this blob of chocolate. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. Oh my god. Yeah, Gordon literally said it looked like dog doo doo, and I was like. <laughs> They didn't okay. air that. Well, they aired something to that effect, but I was like, yeah. awkward. But yeah, I mean, what was it? So like I used to work at a Japanese restaurant or Pan-Asian restaurant in Century City. And one of their signature desserts was like this miso butterscotch togarashi mochi, which sounds absolutely weird. amazing. At least you think it's amazing. Some people are like, that sounds nasty. And I'm like, no, it was the most mind-blowing dessert I've ever had. So I knew that like by combining miso with caramel notes, like burnt white chocolate in this case yeah. that it would pair well together and be like a really tasty um sort of salted caramel situation and i know that miso would pair well with chocolate too because the earthiness of miso brings out the co like fruity notes in the cacao right <laughs> exactly uh i i mean i was keen to the whole like the miso in the in the dessert kind of movement like mm -hmm. Uh, just being here in LA and like seeing all all that happen. So like, but like America doesn't like know that like yeah. that. Like you you were smart with that and the miso caramel. Oh yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I won't say when, but yeah, really smart move. I love Thank it. You. The miso caramel is a complete accident. Without getting into it too much, I was just gonna go with like smoked Malden salt to finish the caramel off with initially. But then my first batch car like it crystallized. Mm -hmm. So I was like, shoot, what do I do? So I went to grab more sugar in the pantry. And then I was like, okay, smoked malden salt's cool and all, but I need to do something else. So that's when I was like, just grab miso paste and throw miso paste in there. Hold on. So your caramel crystallized. Yeah. And you smoothed it out with miso paste? No, no. I had to dump it out and restart the whole thing. Uh -oh. like, and I didn't have enough sugar too. So I had to grab more sugar from the pantry. Got it. So during that run to the pantry, I was like, Okay, smoke Malden salt's just too boring. So Got it. let's grab something else too. Something else. And you're like, I love miso. Yeah. Without going too far into the back to win season, because we don't want to give away <laughs> things. You winning or not. <laughs> uh, 
uh, or me winning or not. Someone wins. Know. Someone wins. Someone goes back to win. Um, we have covered it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I think we got it all. Um, I'm really happy that you drove up, shared Glad your story. I I wasn't ready to get that emotional today. <laughs> um, I think that's huge for people out there that you know are in a similar situation or can relate or know somebody. Um, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time because, like, you know, being on these reality shows, we get 15 minutes to tell that story mm-hmm. and they chop it all up. And sometimes they don't even air it. Sometimes they don't air. Literally it. everything I told you today, actually, they cut from season 10. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you got to come share it. Um, that it, it makes, you know, it gives me such a different perspective. And that's also kind of why I got emotional because, like, I was thinking about being on the show with you and, and, knowing like what you were fighting for and where you were coming from. I didn't know that part of you. And so now knowing that it was like a whole thing of emotion, just coming back, like sharing that stage with you in that kitchen. I just felt, I I don't know. I felt a new connection with you. So I, I'm glad we got to do this. Thank you. Same. Of course. Um, and anytime you want to come chat again, let me know. We'll uh, keep this going. I don't want this, I want this podcast to be the podcast that all reality competition people come <laughs> and make part of their journey. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, wait, actually a funny, well, you should definitely have like me and Dar back together at one point just because we can probably tell you some fun shenanigans that the oh. two of us will. Yeah. I want to have you and Dara. I need to have Brie. Yeah. And then I want to have you and Brie at the same time. Oh, my God. Me and Brie would be a riot. <laughs> I would probably just sit here. And you guys would just talk. <laughs> we just feel like goofing off about the silliest things. I mean, Bree's full of so many random surprises. Like, really? She's she has an obsession with the Amish. I don't know if she told you about this. Like, she loves Amish culture. <laughs> yeah. No, my reaction to it was like, "What the fuck, Bree?" Yeah. So she loves Amish culture. She visits like the Amish village off of Dallas like once a summer, and she's like, "I just love that they make their butter from scratch." I'm like. That's why you like it. You don't look like an Amish person. You don't. There's so many things to unpack there, but she does it for the butter. Yeah, she she does it for the butter. And then what else was there that was like, oh, she's fluent in Spanish, like heck of fluent. One time we were in an Uber and she just spoke in like like fluent Spanish to our driver. I was like, where did that come from? Wow. I mean, that's cool. I mean, that's, man, if I would have like focused all the time on learning Spanish instead of doom scrolling, I'd be fluent too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna get you guys on. Yes, uh, Fred. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I mean, it was really great to talk to you again and like connect with you and you know build a, a rapport outside of that environment because yeah. I feel like that bubble is just it's hard. <laughs> it like I don't yeah like there's a lot that can go wrong. There's a lot that's different. The environment is just not us being regular. It's us on edge or us uncertain under the most pressure exactly so being able to like actually interact with contestants outside of that environment i feel like it's a lot more fun and it's a lot more personable for sure yeah you have i mean you talk a lot more (laughs) (laughs) you were so quiet on the show at least around me it was like i i knew i knew that you had a story i just didn't know it was that and i'm really (laughs) glad that i got it out of you well i mean i'm glad to share it it's for me, it's just knowing that people out there who are going through those struggles can hear this and know that it does get better and that yeah. all you have to do is just keep pushing until that point. <laughs> then that's a win for me. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Oh, and also. Oh. That's right. 
I also brought this for you. Oh, we're trading cookies. Yes, we are trading cookies. It's not an epic mega cookie like yours is, but... I bet you the flavor's <laughs> epic. Well... What is it? So I did a dark chocolate cookie with um, Manjari 64% and Dulce 33%. So two different kinds of chocolate. There's one that's dark chocolate with broodier notes. And then there's blonde chocolate, which is roasted white chocolate. And then I uh, made my own sourdough starter. And I used that in place of eggs in the batter or in the dough. <laughs> Just to oh, give it more of like a loft. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Yo, come do this with me as an epic mega cookie. Sure. I'll give sure. you. <laughs> No, we have to. <laughs> we need to make... Oh, my God. It smells amazing. I'm eating this right now. I'm not <laughs> waiting. They were made this morning. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, um, don't worry, guys. I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you had a whole crew or else yes. I would have brought more. Mmm. <laughs> Fuck, that's good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Mmm. <laughs> I dig it. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, Fred, Master Chef Season Ten, and Master Chef Back to Win. Back to Win. Tune in; it's a wild ride. Yep. <laughs>